We are live. Hey. And bam, there we go. That's the intro to the show. How are you doing um, today? I'm doing great. Real quick, before we get started, I just want to remind people that the podcast is now available to listen to on uh, a number of audio platforms. The only one still missing is uh, Apple Podcasts. That one should be up in a few days. They just uh, they take a while to approve, but uh, it's uh, it's already being worked on. So um, it's available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, uh, Radio Public, Anchor, and you can find all the links by going to Anchor.fm/slash The Barbar Show. All right, today my guest making his second appearance on the show, Mr. Del Valle. What's going on? Hey, I must have done some right last time. <laughs> <laughs> Could you just do me a favor? Just pull the microphone closer to you. Sure enough. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So, uh, maybe, maybe uh, a little bit more. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to start to make me like Ted Cruz talking to uh, <laughs> Donald Trump here. If I get this big old thing in front of my face, there any closer. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds better okay. right there. Okay, cool. So, uh, how are you? You're, you're, you're kind of fired up about a lot of things that are, that are going on these days. Oh, yeah. Who is it? <laughs> you know, I've, been, I've been having fun watching the, the circus yeah. that's going on around us. It's a bit like, of a circus, for sure. Yeah, like most people are. Yeah. So, you wanted, you wanted to, before uh, the podcast, you were talking about truth. What is truth? You know, how do we define truth? I don't know. Well, I'm going to tell you. We have certain agreed truths by which we have all allowed ourselves to be governed. Those truths are what a court says. Those truths are legislative findings and the statutes that are passed after those legislative findings. Suppose, for example, you get a traffic ticket for speeding. and You walk into a courtroom and you defend yourself. Your lawyer has a right to cross-examine the witness. You have a right to testify and give your version. The other party, the prosecution, can put the cop on, and he gives his version. After that's all done, we then look to the jury or to a judge, and he makes a decision, whether you were speeding or whether you were not speeding. And that's a truth we all agreed to live by. You can't walk out of there and say, I was framed. You can't walk out of there and say it was rigged. You can't walk out of there and say it didn't happen that way. Doesn't that happen all the time, though? Yes, of course it does. But, but that's the truth that we have agreed to live by. You have been found guilty or not guilty. The cop can't walk out of there and go, oh, the judge liked that guy and the judge... Uh, was rigged against me. Neither can you. Oh, you can, you can spout it off all day. But the truth remains that you were found guilty or not guilty of speeding. And that's a truth that you live by. Because that's, you walk home, and you either don't have a conviction for speeding, or you do have a conviction for speeding. And eventually, you learn to live by that truth. Why? Because we have parameters on how far we go in determining the truth. In the judicial system, it's based on the decision of the courts. Of course, those things are appealable. You can appeal that. Right, that's what if, I'm talking if, about. If a judge finds you guilty, you know, if, or if a jury finds you guilty, you can appeal that. 
And then it is reviewed by a, another court, a court of appeals. They can determine whether or not there was a mistake in the first court. And if you don't like how the court of appeals rules, whether you are the plaintiff or the, def or the defendant, you can try to appeal that to typically a Supreme Court. If a Supreme Court looks at that finding by the appellate court and says, yeah, no, 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 we, that's good enough. That's the truth we have to live by in our society. Do you get it? I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. Yes. Now you're, you're trying to, you're mentioning this in regards to, to, to link it to the election and what Trump has been doing, trying to appeal essentially the uh, ruling of the election. Correct. And, and so and, what's going on there? Well, what's going on there is that a lot of people don't realize that in a constitutional republic, you get to a certain point and you have to accept the results of the truths that have been determined by the bodies that we have chosen to be the arbiters of the truth. Courts, legislators. A legislature can have hearings. In, in order to pass a law, the legislature typically has hearings. Let me give you an example. You're a handsome young man. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> and you meet a wonderful, charming young woman at a party. Haven't yet. Well, uh, <laughs> well let me follow, follow your dream with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want you to get all hot and bothered about this. Because I'm going to throw a bucket of cold water at you in a couple of seconds. You meet this wonderful, beautiful girl. Okay. You're super attracted to her. You know, you say, this is somebody I could really get along with. You know, my old girlfriend just dumped me. She could really cure my blues. Huh? She's gorgeous, you know, charming, intelligent. Yeah, somebody you want to take home to mom. Somebody you want to have your babies. High, okay? credit, high credit score. High credit score. Oh. That's right. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Comes from a rich family. <laughs> Has her own Corvette. Yeah. But she turns out to be 16. Oh. There you go. Ooh. <laughs> And you say, "What well, is this in America or Lebanon? This is everywhere. <laughs> okay. This is in America, except maybe Arkansas. <laughs> she, turns out to, she turns out to be 16. Can you have sex with her? Yes, you can. But you're going to go to prison for it. And you say, but she consented. And we love each other. And we see this all the time with those female high school teachers that fall in love with a 16, 17-year-old jock, uh -huh. you know, and then have sex with them in the back of their car. Yeah. Right? We see this all the time. But those women still are submitted to the legal process. Yes. Why? Because we've had legislative hearings, and those legislative hearings have determined, after listening to psychologists, counselors, and children's advocates, that somebody under the age of 17 or 18 is not capable of making an independent, intelligent decision about whether or not to have sex with somebody who's older than they are. Right. Now, you can have a relationship with that girl, but if you're found out, you're going to go to jail. And it doesn't matter if she loved you. It doesn't matter if you love her. It doesn't matter if 10 years from now, you two are going to be a happy couple 
and have three kids and be living in suburbia. You're still going to jail because the legislator has found the truth. They have determined the truth to be that you cannot have sex with that kid. I know you're using this as an example to make a point, but while we're on the subject, if I dig into that a little bit further with parental consent, you can actually marry a minor. Uh, In some States. I don't know. I really don't know about that, but you could, but between the time she's four months pregnant and you have to get current parental consent. If the day you go for parental consent, the parents go, you beast. You've seduced our young daughter. We're calling the cops. Doesn't matter how much you love her. Doesn't matter how much the parents framed you. You still committed a crime. Doesn't matter if the girl wanted to have sex. Doesn't matter if she seduced you. Right. And why? Because we live by the truth that you can't have sex with a minor. That simple. And that's a truth we all live by. And there are dozens and hundreds of truths in our society. And we derive at those truths by the legislative process or the judicial process. And that's the division of power. The executive branch, in this term Trump, cannot define what the truth is. And a good president would abide by those rules. We all live by those rules. On the way here, the speed limit is 60. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Well, I happen to know things about the speed limit that a lot of people don't. So I said, well, typically you won't get a ticket if you're not doing more than 10 over. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I set my odometer at, at, uh, at eight miles above 68 and I leave it there. And I I drove by a cop car and it didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. All right. Now that's kind of, a bendable truth. I, I and, and, and there are exceptions, and, and it, it's a flexible thing. And if you look at any statute, at the end of that statute, you will see how many times that statute has been amended. And it'll have amended on this year, then it'll amend it in the next the two years right. there. Okay, you see those amendments. That means that the concept of truth is flexible and can change. However, it's, it's a slow process, but regardless of how, what the change is, whether you agree with it or not, in the constitutional republic, we all have to abide by that concept of truth. I get what you're saying. I don't really like the word truth because I don't think that these are truths. I think these are laws. They're based on, uh, correct. I, I agree with you to, to that extent. But they can't be truths that we live by, truths that we accept. I know it's personal truths or societal truths, truths. societal truths, not not objective truths, not scientific truths. It doesn't matter what they are. Well, I'm thinking in terms of in terms of the different kinds of truths that are out there. Like there are personal truths, right? Like you believe if you believe that. Uh, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. That's a personal truth. Correct. Then there are scientific truths. Water boils at 100 degrees. That's a scientific truth. Truth. 110? I think it's 100. No? Okay. Okay. Well, whatever it is. It it boils at a certain temperature. Yeah. And so what you're talking about is is the legal system set up to, 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 in the example that you gave, to protect those who are incapable of making... 
um, good enough decisions uh, about that have to do with their well-being, with their safety, and I think and you're narrowing it down too much. Okay, I think you're you're pinpointing it. It's a broader thing. Okay, we have. I can get on a public bus and ride to work, right? I don't need anybody's permission because we've all agreed that that's a public service, right? I need to get to work so I can make a living and feed my family. And I, so I have to be at that bus stop and the bus comes. Nobody's going to question my ability to get on that bus, pay my tab, and then ride to work. Right. But what if I grab your car because I have to be to work? It's your private property. Right. I don't have a right to that. Right. Correct? Now, the tr- those are accepted truths. I cannot use your property without your consent. I can use public property because the truth of it is accepted. It, the truth of I can't use your private property is also accepted. These are truths that we live by. Most of them are based on long-term societal agreements, you know, which are often, um, I think, uh, exemplified by the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not do this. Thou shall not do that. Those societal prohibitions that works, and mankind has been living with these things ever since we got organized right. into, in, into groups. Yes. You know, the truth is, I cannot take Og's spear because that's his... Og. <laughs> Og the caveman. <laughs> I can't take Ock's spear. That's his spear. Yeah. Right? I can't take his fur his fur that he needs. I cannot go steal his fire without. And those are the truths that we live by. And those are accepted truths. We don't have to like those truths. But we have to abide by them because those are the rules of the society we live in. Now, we can all look at different societies and go, Oh, my God, those people live by horrible truths. Radical Islam, you know, communism. You know, all these things are based on truths that we all look at and go, oh, my God, that's really barbaric. That's really stupid. That's really savage. That's really depressing of human dignity. We can look at other things and say that. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. You know, but we live by the truths we have agreed to live by. So when a court makes a ruling, you know how many times I walked out of a courtroom saying, damn, I can't believe that happened. And I go back the next day and say, yes, sir, to the, yes, your honor, to the judge. And I stand up when the jury leaves the room, whether I like what they did or not, because those are rules that we live by. Yeah. And my respect for the system I live in and that I flourish in has got to be maintained. Just like we have to respect. I saw I saw an amazing video on YouTube, a guy called uh, Amazon, a, a zombie farmer. The guy is goofier than dog shit. Okay? He lives in a different world that accepts none of the truths by which the rest of us live. And guess what? You have to be intelligent. You have to be told, look, we can question those truths. We can argue them. We have a right to protest them. We have a right to move to change them. That's, the, that's our freedom. You know, I mean, the Second Amendment is, is a clear example of all of this stuff. You understand? Yeah. And so w- when we are, you know, when I say I believe in the right of 
firearm ownership. And somebody says, you don't. That's an ongoing argument. That's a truth that's still here or there. Do you get it? I'm following. It's, 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 something, it's something we're still litigating, both in the courts and in, within society. Here, I'll take some more of that tur nice Turkish <laughs> coffee. Yes, sir. Cafe Turco, we used to call it in Mexico. By the way, I've had Turkish coffee in Turkey. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> As a quick aside, you know what cappuccino means? No. Cafe Chino. Oh. Cappuccino. And they would do is they would take a little bit of Turkish coffee, put about an inch of it, and they would take steaming hot milk and pour it from on high. And I mean steaming hot milk, you know, and it would just bring it up and make a beautiful foam at the end. Nice. So that's cappuccino. It's basically so is Italian. That the Mexican cup? No, 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 no. In, in Mexico, they call them cafecino. Okay. And there's actually cafe chinos where you go in, they got long tables and you sit there with your people and they have glasses, you know, like those old Coke glasses. I, I kid you not. The actual glass is at least a half inch thick all around. Uh -huh. and you're drinking out of this gigantic, beautiful, thick, thick glass. These, th these things got to weigh a pound each, uh -huh. you know, boom, and some guy, and usually it's Chinese descendants of, it's the descendants of uh, Mexican Chinese descendants of Chinese immigrants. And you eat seed breads. It's a, it's a whole deal down there, which is really a beautiful part of Mexico. Sure. Anyway, let me go back to this. Those are the truths that we live by. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about is. So uh, let me, before, before we, yeah. we digress any further, what has, um, in, in, I want you to explain this. I mean, I, this, the, the story is out there. Obviously, it's on the news. But what has Trump done to violate these truths? At what point do you think he should have just stepped aside and said, all right, I lost? The minute, the minute the states certified their own elections. There's a process. So you weren't so at the beginning when he wanted to appeal it and get a recount, you were okay with it. But then absolutely. Once, okay, once the recount was out, you're like, all right, dude, enough's enough. No, you're entitled to that recount. I'm entitled to an appeal against an adverse court ruling, whether I'm the plaintiff or the or the defendant. Yeah, anybody can appeal it, right? Yeah. And they and he followed his appellate process, which is his right to do. However, at a certain point, at a certain point, you say that is those are the arbiters of what is true, and I, as a leader of a constitutional republic have a duty to abide by that. Everybody who's ever lost an election walked out of there pissed off yeah, and sore. Especially Hillary. Everybody. Boy. It doesn't matter. But she abided by the truth. Yes. You can but she also she also said in 2018, there's a quote, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it. Yeah. Um, she said something about, something along the lines of, Jesus, I need to look up the quote. Something that has to do with um, having like the, the, the need for um, a call to action in, 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 in basically a revolution kind of way when, the, when there's corruption in the system. I'll try to dig up the quote right now. 
It doesn't matter what Hillary said. Well, I'm just saying. No, I no. Mean, I mean, the dog catcher could have said what Hillary said. <laughs> All its importance and weight it would carry. <laughs> you know? And that's the interesting thing about American politics. If you're out, you're out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I you're mean, lost. That's it. I mean, you, Get yeah, out of the way. You're, you're lost. You I can mean, try again next yeah, season. I mean, where's everybody that you can think of? You know? Where's, uh, how far do we go? You know, Jimmy Carter. Where's Clinton? Where's Bush? Where's Obama? They're all making speeches for money, except Bush. You know, uh, but any opinion that they have, it's it, it's just an opinion. It's the same. It carries the same weight as if you know the the local mayor gave that opinion, right? You know, an incitement to violence and to revolution. It's kind of silly at this stage of the game. That's pretty bad. Well, what was funny is all those people who went there to storm the Capitol because it was a revolution, and then they got maced and they started crying. <laughs> like you sent me a video of that girl. I'm like, wow. Like, how 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 good has your life been as a, as a grown woman? She must have been at least 25, maybe 30 years old. <laughs> and how, how good has your life been that you thought you were participating in a revolution, and then you got maced and you started crying on camera? I mean, you, you just have no clue what 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 living in in difficult times. A, a young friend, what a, what a revolution, what fighting actually is. A young friend that I that I hold in high esteem, and he's in law enforcement. He's he's put something on Facebook. He said, "Why don't we go after the people uh, for the Black Lives Matter? The way we're going after these guys." Uh-huh. I said because. The Black Life Matters looters, arsonists, destructions, destructors of property, had the common sense to operate at night with masks on, <laughs> probably because they're better acquainted with the rules of evidence, you know, because they've been to court before, whereas the Trump mob, who were looters, Thieves, possibly by accountability, uh, guilty of, could be, there's a possibility out there that they could be made responsible for the death of certain people. Uh Those guys didn't have enough sense to wear masks and then to beat the ban. They're posting selfies with their names and where they're from. Oh, God. I mean. And, and, the lack of common sense uh, is astonishing. No, well, uh, the ignorance at the lack of realization that they were committing federal crimes. Right. You know, when you run up those capital steps, you are committing a federal crime. When you break down that door. That's a federal crime. I like I like what you said about. I hope the terrorists weren't watching how easy it was to storm the Capitol. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> if you think, I mean, if real if really bad guys 
if real bad guys, they gotta be they gotta be back over there slapping their turbans, going, <laughs> shit, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> slapping their turbans. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know, what's wrong with me? Oh my god. <laughs> Look, Ahmed, I told you, I told you. <laughs> These people were so lucky. They were so lucky. I once worked in the country, and I saw the Bulgarian KGB train anti-demonstrator. Train what? Anti-demonstrator murderers and troops, military troops. And they worked in groups of at least 30 people. Each one of the people that they embedded into the group had a, they typically back then carried Browning high powers with 15 or 13 round magazines. Each one was given two magazines plus a Smith and Wesson snub nose revolver as a backup. And their job was that at a certain time they would infiltrate the opposition protesters. They would put on white armbands on their right arm. And then at the sound of a whistle, they would just start shooting people around them. Huh. Yeah. And then they had a rendezvous. They had two or three rendezvous points. They had alternate rendezvous points, depending where you were. And the, and the instruction was shoot the guy in front of you, two, three people, shoot low, keep your firearm down. So it couldn't be grabbed by somebody in the crowd. Do not extend your arm, you know, but index your elbow to your midriff. Hold your gun down here and just start shooting people and cut to 2 o'clock or to 11 o'clock. So the crowd couldn't close in on you. They can close in ahead. They may be turned back. But if you walk a an 11 o'clock or a 1 or 2 o'clock, it's more difficult to get to you. Okay. And their job was to kill as many people as they had bullets, or to wound. And that's how you disperse a crowd by communist countries. These people, everybody in the United States, when you see how other totalitarian regimes deal with protest, and then you see in the United States the freedom that we have to protest, you know, we really shouldn't take that for granted. Oh, definitely not. And we really shouldn't abuse it by becoming violent or destructive. I, who am a lifelong, I would, I would actually say I'm somewhat of a conservative Democrat. That's an interesting hybrid. Yeah, well, I believe in gun rights. Yeah. I'm a gun guy. That's probably the one category that most Democrats disagree with the Democratic Party on is the Second Amendment. That's probably the most common category where there's disagreement within, within the Democratic community. That and abortion. I know a lot of uh, conservative Democrats who grew up in, but they're still, you know, they're Catholic conservative Democrats, uh, and they uh, they're anti-abortion, uh, but not, you know. I want to. I want. I want. I wanted to get to that in a bit. I've seen you post stuff about abortion on on Facebook. I wanted to get to that in a bit. Okay, to it now. Okay. What do you think about that? But you, well, well, not well. We shouldn't. But you were going to say something about totalitarian regimes. And, oh. and our right to, to, uh, yeah, to we protest. Should, we shouldn't abuse it. I totally agree. We should not abuse yeah. it. 
you know, the leadership it's, it's, it, of that It should crowd. be used for something serious when there's when people really need to make a stand to to affect change in their country and their in their Listen. in their states. Yeah. Not not for for goofy shit. Not to go. Not because you got mad at somebody right. or not because you're angry at a tweet. Yeah, you can. You not, can. Not that you, kind of nonsense. You can go protest because you're angry at a tweet. I disagree with you. You can, you can go protest because you don't like the way your garbage man wears. His sure, cap. sure, absolutely. You, know, you have yeah. that absolute right. Now, will, will people look at you and go? But you don't you know, want to become like the boy who cried wolf, where you just protesting everything, and then eventually there's people on the street and nobody gives a shit. Well, there's some people who live by to protest. They have nothing else to do in their lives. Yeah. They should probably get a job. In Chicago, or they, or a girlfriend well, or a boyfriend. Oh uh, well, <laughs> they should, they Chicago, should spend their time to, doing something productive. You know, we used to call them bag ladies. You know, they would stand in front of the federal courthouse and scream. You know how the government had stolen. You know their pension and. But I, or two, you know, how often times have you driven here in El Paso going north on Campbell Street and you pass by the courthouse and you see a group of people standing there with placards? You know, you're driving so fast, you don't even know what they're protesting half the time. But if you take the time, you know, it's a group of maybe anywhere from five to 10 people. I usually don't need to read the sign, I just look at the crowd. <laughs> well, you know, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I would like to read the sign, <laughs> yeah. but I don't want to get hit from behind either. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you know, sometimes I read the sign and, you know, stop the war, stop the this, stop the that, you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, fine, I get it. That's their absolute right. That's what we have a right to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a cathartic thing for a lot of people. Mm. By golly, I'll go out there and I'll tell them, I'll give them a piece of my mind. Yep. You know, now I feel good. I have done what I need, I think I need to do to affect the change I'm looking for yep. in a lawful, peaceful way. Right? I'll tell you another thing. I Just a real quick, a point on that. I feel like my podcast is essentially a form of protest. When I'm, out, when I'm on here ranting about how unjust and un-American property taxes are, and I think that they're absolutely a horrible, horrible thing, and we really need to take a very serious look at property taxes in America, specifically when it comes to a person's home. Businesses and, and, and rental homes and things like that, that's, that's a different subject. But when it comes to one's home, I think it's incredibly un-American and very unfair. And I'm, I talk about it a lot on my podcast. I'm going to continue to talk about it for years. And in a way, that is a form of protest. That really is a protest because... I'm putting that message out there and I'm not on a stage yet where I'm getting a whole lot of response, but I will be someday. And I'm hoping that that will lead to some kind of change. I'm hoping that it'll at least get more people to think about it in, in, in terms of why am I having to forever pay uncle Sam rent on my home? Like I should at least have, you're not, you're not paying uncle Sam. I, I should at least be able to be able to live here. And, and, and if I lose my job or something, I don't lose my house for lack of payment on the taxes. You're not paying Uncle Sam. Who are you paying? The state of Texas. Okay. I mean, Uncle, and, Sam, and, Uncle Sam's cousin? <coughs> nephew? Yes, I mean, yes, it's, it's, this, is not, this doesn't come from Washington. I understand that. I understand this that. Comes from, this that's, comes from the yes, county of no, El Paso. I, I know that. And that's why property tax rates are different for every state. But the point of it is, it, it's something that needs to be talked about, I think, a lot more. The majority of people that I talk to about this, when I mention the subject, I go, how much do you pay in property taxes a year? They go, I don't know. It's just rolled into my mortgage. I'm like, well, <laughs> what's your mortgage? They go, I don't know, uh, $1,800 a month. I do the math. I go, you'd be paying $1,200 if it weren't for your taxes. You're paying $600. You're paying 
a third of your monthly payment is going to, to, to property taxes. And I think something needs to be done about that. That's my point. I, we, we, we can argue the, 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 the why, and, and, and I'm happy to talk about that. If you have any points, get into it. But, um, I think it's extremely un-American. People need to talk about it. And that's why we have the right to protest, because when we think as Americans that something is unfair, that the system is fucking us over, we should be able to take a stand and say, look, this is unfair. Here's why I think why. Here's why I think it's unfair. And this is what I'm proposing that, that we do about it. But you don't just go outside in the streets and start start causing chaos and, 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 and destroying buildings and doing stuff like that. That's not protest. That's, that's just unsophisticated behavior. That's, it's, it's, it's not a good way to go about things. Well, if you ever start burning buildings over your protest, over property taxes, please burn the bushes in front of my house. (laughs) So my property tax bill goes down. (laughs) Well, at your age, it doesn't go up anymore. Does it? (laughs) Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm, Wait, I'm, do you have do you have disability from the military? Yeah, I do. I have sixty so percent disability. So you're only paying forty percent of. No, I'm paying a lot more. I'm 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 paying I'm paying total property taxes uh, on two homes that I currently own. Rentals. Uh, I'm, uh, no, or no, vacation my home, homes. Okay. My home is paid for. Yes. You know, no lawyer should hit the age of sixty and he still have a mortgage. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> so my home has been paid for a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, the way I bought it is I bought, I took all my savings, my, uh, from my uh, anticipated retirement, and I bought a beautiful home with it. And my figure was, I'll, you know, I'll use it, then I'll sell it when I retire. I'm still not retiring. Yep. You know, I was in court. I had six hearings this week. So, but anyway, uh, we don't pay state income taxes. Thank God. I mean, the well, property no, no, taxes are stop outrageous. I, I agree with you. But do you think that the imposition of a state income tax would lower property taxes? Or do you think that the people who said these things would still be as greedy as always, you know, and continue to not only hit us with property taxes, but also state income tax? I think that we need people in office who understand businesses and understand economics not historians and, 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 and you know, I don't, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't have said historians, people, whatever their education is, <coughs> we don't have people who are business savvy in office is how I feel. And so the first response, well, that's why they're in office. Well, but that's why we need people who are business savvy in office because the first response, you know, if you have a degree in history or law or political science or whatever it is, but you don't know anything about business and you're going to go run for office, that's kind of a problem. Like I want scientists and business people in office. I want people who, who are informed and, and, and lawyers too. I mean, definitely there's, there's room for that, but when it comes to setting up our societal structures and, and having to do with, with providing a society where people at least have the ability to be comfortable in their own home that they've purchased, um, I think we need business people to look at the problem and say, okay, we need to raise however many million dollars to expand the freeway. They've been working on I-10 since, since uh, uh, Burger King was a prince. And, and, we are going to look for ways to generate money through setting up businesses, taxing businesses, whatever, you know, something other than we're going to raise the property taxes and, and you're, you know, that that's, that's the solution to everything. We need more, we need more books for, for schools and iPads for students and things like that. So we're going to raise the property taxes because at some point nobody's going to be able to have a home. And that's a serious problem. My taxes went up 12%. 
in 2019 from from um no the, from, from the year before oh, i hate it i hate it i mean it's i think i think it's ridiculous and part of that is my fault too i, I should have gone down and you know switched a, a thing but they still would have gone up maybe eight percent if if I, if I had gone and done that and the point of it is that <clears throat> i don't think there's there's any landlord in america that's going to raise your rent by that that much percentage year over year just at any time of their choosing I agree. yet the government can do that the government can raise your rent they can come in and say okay now you're, you're paying ten thousand dollars a year now you're going to pay 12 and you have to go down there and contest it every two years right and I, I think that's bullshit but you need a wife to do that and well sure <laughs> that's who does that but, for but me. i think <laughs> i just i just i just sick but I think my, that my that's little, bullshit. My, my, my little ferocious chihuahua on, on the tax people here. <laughs> and she always comes back with a nice letter saying, look. I do too. But don't you think that the mere fact that we have to do that consistently every two years, we have to go down to the central appraisal district and argue the taxes on our home to try to keep the city from taking as much money as possible. And frankly, a lot of times we have to go down there and bullshit them by taking pictures of damages in our house. That would be the county, to not go the city. <clears throat> the county. But but uh, ha having to do that, don't you think that in and of itself is bullshit? I mean, oh, of course I, it I, is. I think that's a problem, and that's and that's all I'm saying. I don't know what the solution is. I'm not smart enough to devise a solution for this problem, but I know that there's a problem, and and we need to get people talking about it to figure out how. Let to me fix ask it. you a question: How far away from you are you from New Mexico? Oh, it's right there. Okay, are the property taxes lower there? They are, and they have state income tax, and I understand that. Okay. I've I've looked at I've looked at every state in the United States trying to figure out where to move. <laughs> and I, I think I have I'm, a suggestion. I think I'm, I think New I'm York or up, LA. No, oh God, no! It's going to be either Tennessee or Nevada. <laughs> well, Nevada, yeah, yeah. I've looked everywhere. Yeah, we need we need. And Nevada's got low taxes because they have all that gambling. Income. Thank you. Is that I I suspect that's what it is, and I've been saying why don't we have casinos in Texas? Let's sell marijuana. Let's open brothels. Let's tax these businesses, and maybe then they can lower our taxes a little bit. But if that happened, my wife wouldn't let me go out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you'd be, would you be at the at the? Would you be? At the, I ain't saying a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to know if you'll be at the brothel or at the casino. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying that. I know you wouldn't be at the marijuana plant because you don't like it. Well, no, it's, it's, no, I don't you're, like you're, drugs. You're a martial artist and you yeah. don't do drugs, but that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, take take the fifth on that. Yeah, one. I'm gonna take in the fifth. That's anyway, fine. but that's that's the reason why I always say that there are no homeowners in America, only home buyers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I'll, leave it, I'll leave it at that. All right. What else? You, hey, let's talk about the movie. Which movie? 13 Hours. Okay. Well, first of oh, all. Oh, yeah, yeah. You told me you just watched it. Yeah. All right. I, I Actually, I'm not familiar with it. Okay. The story of Benghazi. Okay. Okay. The outposts at Benghazi were attacked. And it's a, it's a very famous thing. They wrote, guys wrote books. Guys, it was a wonderful and exciting movie. Uh, you've never seen the movie? I have not. Oh, you're missing a great flick. It, it, it's a good adventure movie. And based, uh, I would say it's about 80, 85% accurate from having read the book. Okay. And for those of uh, us who have watched the movie, um, here's what I have. And having worked as a contractor 
overseas. When I watched that movie, I watched it with somewhat of a critical eye to try to do a little Monday morning quarterbacking, so to speak. And I saw how different things are. And the things that I noted, first of all, is you never let a civilian direct you once the bullets start flying. That's the biggest lesson from that. If you're a contractor and you have rules of engagement, which are part of your civilian contract, and these are CIA guys who are contractors in there, and, and, and part of it is they have a clandestine CIA station that they don't want to divulge in order to go protect the American ambassador who was killed in Benghazi. I remember one of the first things I learned uh, in a country I spent some time with in, in Africa. And as I was going in, an old French legionnaire <coughs> that was kind of giving us the tour said, don't pick a fight that you can't win. Good advice. Because nobody's coming to help you. Do not count on any help from the Portuguese government. It ain't going to happen. They're going to promise you. You're going to go here. You're going to go there. Going to go to all sorts of orientation. Going to say, This is how you call for air. This is how you call for artillery. It ain't going to happen. You're on your own. Now, my job ostensibly when I first got there was to set up MedCap programs and teach uh, people and, 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 and teach Portuguese soldiers and medics how to provide medical services for indigenous populations. But within 30 days, I, I was leading a company out in the bush, hunting down the perpetrators of atrocities in villages. And at a certain point, I always refused to have my guys loaded down with a lot of heavy gear uh, because it really, it really hurts your fighting efficiency. And you can only carry typically food for four days. That means you go out, you can go out for three but then you have to spend one coming back and then two without food and sometimes without water. You can only go three days without water. I never put my guys through more than a guy one day without water. I think three, I think three days without water under optimal conditions. If you're fighting, it's a lot shorter. Yeah. That's why I said, I never, I never deprived my, I would never put my guys in a position where they didn't have water for yeah. more than a day. That's good. Yeah. Well, you know, you're going to get, you're going to die. Right. You know, it's that simple. So anyway, but I never listened to the civilians. Once the bullets started flying, I was the boss. I was in charge. That's one of the things that happened in Benghazi. They're having all these arguments about whether or not they should go rescue the American ambassador who was living in a residence about a mile away from the clandestine CIA station. That's, and that's about it. The other thing I wanted to point out was According to the book and the movie, on 9-11, those guys stood down. They didn't expect an uprising. That was a horrible mistake. You never stand down on the anniversary of dates that are significant to the other side. On the contrary, you reinforce. The other thing I wanted to say was, where's all the claymores? Now, back then, you could buy, you could buy Chinese claymores, which were just as good as American claymores. I mean, this is in my day in the 70s. You could buy those, you could buy a claymore for 200 bucks. 
almost anywhere in Southeast Asia, and I'm sure you get the same thing in Middle Eastern countries. You know, and I love Claymores. I've, oh, I love Claymores. <laughs> That's not something you hear people say every day. Oh, <laughs> I, I got Claymore stories you wouldn't believe. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a master of Claymores. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, is that a, let me make sure I know what you were talking about. Is that the device that's kind of a directional explosive device Yeah, where you like you, um, let's say you set it aimed at the front door and it's got if, two prongs that you yes. put on the ground about nine inches. If I recall yeah. about maybe five to six inches wide, it's got 700, uh, pellets of, of, of ball bearings <sighs> and backed up by a coat of C4 and you pop it and it just blows them all out. Yeah. You know, Tell you, tell you. Well, anyway, I don't want to tell war stories. Why not? Yeah, you can't stop now. Well, okay, yeah, I, I kind of got everybody all excited about that. <laughs> all right, it's not fair. You already set the stage. Yeah, uh, me and five. I, I had five guys. <laughs> I had a team of five guys. Uh, this is in Latin America, and we are protecting a well-to-do. Asendado, somebody who owned an hacienda and a ranch, big cattle ranch, from local predators, uh, two-footed predators, who were extorting him. And they were going to raid his house. Now, the haciendas all have gigantic doors because of the old days, the doors that opened like this. Uh-huh. And they all have an entryway called the Sajuan. And in the old days, people would bring carriages, drive through the Sajuan, the passengers from the carriage would exit and go right into the living room, immediately to the right. And the carriage would go around a fountain and come back out. So those ajuans are large enough for two carriages going and coming. When people would have parties, you know, they would line up and then come out and, and so forth and so on. So what I did, all those gigantic double doors, and each door is, I kid you not, it's maybe about at least... You know, they're solid. It's, I mean, you could make a boat out of these things. Yep. You know, they're maybe about 8 to 10 feet wide and maybe about 15 feet tall. They're really wide doors, but they all have an inside door. They have a door in one of the doors to facilitate egress and, and into the hacienda without having to open the big doors. Okay. So what I did was I backed up to where the... Uh, I had a couple of, I had two guys up on roofs. And then what I did was I set up what looked like a trench that was being dug for um, drainage pipes. And in the dirt, little mound of dirt, because remember, uh, claymores work better if you back them up, if you have a dirt mound behind them, because there's always blowback. So what I did was, and the space was about, 18 feet wide. And so I set up two intersecting claymores going this way. They go out, I think, if I recall, it's a 60-degree angle. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to cover the whole Sajuan, which is about 25 feet deep and at least at least 20 feet wide. But it's covered. It's, it's a covered area. With a dwelling up on top, mm-hmm. and you exit and you go into the into the home. I boarded up the house, 
so that guys couldn't get in there. And then I left the front door slightly ajar. And uh, it had two pickups full of guys that uh, got inside. We let them get inside. And you could tell they had military training because the minute they got inside, they went right to the walls and took up positions, you know. And they're waiting for something to happen. Uh-huh. They're waiting for all of them to get inside. Remember, they're going through a door that's now maybe about a foot, uh, not strike that, it's got to be about 30 to 40 inches wide. So they're all coming in and they're going to the side walls. And I waited till I thought they were all in. Then I popped the claymores. Not one guy left alive. Oh, wow. Not one guy left alive. There were a couple of guys still moaning and groaning. You know, we put them out of their misery. Uh, but I won't, and I, I did away with the extortion as well as the menace. Uh, and there's maybe a, there was more than 15, I forgot how many there were, anywhere from 15 to 20, 25 guys. But now one guy left alive with those claymores. They're really good. And sometimes claymores fail. You know, your clicker sometimes gets messed up. So I had a backup set of claymores, um, which I never had to use. We didn't have to fire a single shot. That's pretty cool. To repel those guys. That's pretty cool. And, and those people who hired us were never bothered again. That's called a trap. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. It's a trap. But claymores work. Anyway, <laughs> let's, go back, let's go back to real life. <laughs> those days anyway <laughs> claymores work yeah. yeah i would imagine that they do yeah landmines and grenades and all that stuff and these poor fools who said let's let's start a revolution they've never seen the carnage oh no they have no they, idea they, they, no no they have no idea and, they, here's, and here's what i and here's what i typically say they've never even been hunted if you are out if you're on YouTube saying who you are, where you live, who your family is, and that you're going to go start the revolution, <laughs> well, there's going to be a guy like me coming off the bench and firebombing your house while you're not there. That's These guys right. don't get it. Yeah, these people don't understand the consequences of violence. They don't understand that there are people in America, lots of them, who are really badass fighters who understand violence, whether they're veterans or police officers or, or spies or what, whatever your training is, there's a lot of bad dudes in this country. Well, and they, if they, they, and if they decide, are, yeah. And let me tell you an interesting thing. When you get to the professionals, I don't think you're going to find very many professionals going over to the other side. They, what, what do you mean by the other side? By, by let's say, uh, the right-wing extremism. You're, gonna, you're not going to find a lot of professionals, people who have been trained in the military, people who have worked as contractors for government agencies. You're not going to find a lot of them on the right-wing side. Why not? Because we've been trained to to protect the system, even though we can look back on it and go, it's all bullshit. So how, we, does, how does being on the right wing side not help, not, not contribute to protecting the system? You follow legal orders. 
I'm I'm confused. You're so you're saying that people with military experience, serious military, serious experience. military experience, if shit were to hit the fan, you're saying most of those people are left wing, not right wing. I'm not saying they're any wing. Okay, they are commander in chief, reasonable commander in chief wing. You know, I I know a lot of guys who are ex military. Expect ops guys, and they a lot of them go, yeah, 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 yeah. They stole the election. I go, well, tell me how. Well, I, they, I go, wait, wait, stop it. The election's the election. Are you willing to abide by that? Yeah. Okay. When push comes to shove, I I just spoke about. I think the it depends on what bit. that push is, though. Now these guys are going to take up arms against their own countrymen. What if do you think what, any do you think any of these the, guys are going to fire on the on, on other American citizens? It depends on what those American citizens are doing. If they're coming into your neighborhood trying to trying to take over, that's a personal thing. I okay. would do that if if I owned a business. So, in what case are you saying? In what type of scenario are you saying that that these people put it together and let's go oust the government? Let's attack Congress. Okay, let's do this. Let's. That, do- but that doesn't. Okay, I see what you're saying. Let's take over a courthouse. Yeah, that doesn't make you neither left nor right. That just makes you an American. That's correct. Okay. And that's that's the point I'm making. Yeah. None of these guys are going to sue thought, I thought, I thought, maybe I misheard you. I thought you said that they were not going to be right-wingers. They're not right-wingers because that's who's, or left-wingers, whoever's going to attack the courthouse, who's ever going to attack a government building, who's ever going to try to capture a politician or hold a politician for ransom. So they're not well, treasonous. Tre- treasoners. Treasonists. Is it treasonous or treasoners? Treasonists. Treasonists. <laughs> they're not treasonists. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, I Let agree me go back to that. the Benghazi I agree thing. with that. Let me go back okay. to the Benghazi right. The most interesting thing I found about watching the movie is that these guys didn't fire on civilians. I have been under siege three times. And once the bullets start flying, there ain't no civilians. There ain't no civilians. You hit the street, whether you have a gun in your hand or not, you're getting shot. That's simple. Those rules of engagement don't apply when you're under siege. These guys, for whatever reason, and I don't know how they think nowadays, but when I was in the thick of things, you know, we used to call a curfew. You're out after 9 p.m., you're an enemy soldier. You're a Viet Cong. You're a guerrilla. That's all you can be doing now. Now you want to be you want to be traveling somewhere? Come by our compound. We know who you are. And, and then you can be traveling. The same thing for animals. You know how many I remember one time we were setting up on an ambush. You know, we were laying down by a riverbank, perfect ambush position. And you shot the shit out of a rabbit? <laughs> no, we shot the shit out of a bunch of buffalo. Okay. Oh, poor buffalo. Yeah. Because they were being used, you heard the clink, uh, clink, clink, the bell, you know? Uh-huh. And to, you go, to, try, well, to try to draw your fire in one direction? No, to... no, no. They're hiding behind the buffalo. Okay. You think it's a herd of buffalo. In the movie, there's a Well, bunch... you'd figure they'd remove the bell. No, they want to let you know. They're trying to hide the fact that they're amongst the buffalo. And if they leave the bell, all of us know that if it's like a cow bell. Yeah. You know, if you're on a farm and you hear a cow bell and you see a heart of cows, they're going to go, yeah, that's normal. The same thing. 
if you hear the bell on a buffalo, on a lead buffalo, you know, you're going to think it's just a herd of buffalo going back out to pasture or whatever. But we happen to know that all buffalo are secured, you know, if they're used to beasts of the field, they're secured, you know, when the farmer comes back down. I said, fuck it, you know, open up on the buffalo, <laughs> you know. And we killed about five guys hiding among the buffalo. Yeah. Who were otherwise using, and all the farmers came to us, to our compound, complained that we had killed their buffalo. And what we said to them was, that's what you get for letting the Viet Cong use your buffalo. Jeez. Yeah, it's hard shit, right? That's Yeah, that's a difficult situation. No, it's I, not I, difficult I, I, at all. You just do it. Because you know what? War's a bitch. It is. You know, when, when in that movie, there's a great scene where a couple of guys drive up in, 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 in a car, and they have no firearms. And there's some guys are looking at him and going, well, what are those guys? They don't have firearms. Well, you know what they were doing? They were getting their GPS so they could lob the mortars in. Hmm. You weren't going to pull that shit on me. A car yeah. drives by. A car, car, I don't care if there's, I don't care if there's five kids in the car. That car's going to get chewed up. And when people say, you killed my kids, oh, sorry, ma'am, they shouldn't be out at night. <laughs> <laughs> wow and, and no and, uh, i i understand what you're saying it's like uh it's like whenever there's there's a there's a child strapped to a bomb because the 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 people who put them up to it think that okay well the soldiers aren't going to fire on a kid that nobody wants to kill a kid but you have to shoot that kid otherwise he's gonna he's gonna take out who knows how many people on oh, your side oh what am i like that that kid's fate was sealed when when a bomb was strapped to him it's he, he's already dead and so, I, and so I don't think, I don't think uh, somebody, somebody firing a bullet at that child is going to change anything in the fate of that child. Sometimes we're in a sneak and peek, which is a look, but don't fire mission. You know, uh, they, they can run up to about four or five days. And then you have an exfil point, you know, where you're either going to be get out on a boat or get out on a chopper. You run into people. You know if you let them go, they're going to run back to their village and you're going to be hunted and probably outnumbered and killed because there's only five of us and there's going to be 50 of them. All right? Okay. We didn't come here for a firefight. We came here to look around, get some intel, figure out what the paths are, figure out what the material coming through that area is figure out, you know, who's around. So we need to leave. So you run across a farm kid. What do you do? I assume you take him out. In the nicest possible ways. Never did you, with a did you, Didn't you come across a guy one time who was tied to a tree? Yeah, by yeah, intestines? that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I put a... I, <sighs> That's nasty, huh? What? Oh, no, no, that was in Africa. He was tied to a tree by his intestines. Yeah. Oof. He was tied to it. Well, he was gutted, put up against the tree, then his intestines were pulled out and wrapped around him. Oh, my God. And all dried up. And, uh, and he was still alive when you found him? Yeah. Uh, he was dying. We just well, took of him. course. We just took him down. You know, what you do in that case is you wet the intestines as much as possible. And I, as the team corpsman, you know, as, well, I wasn't a team corpsman at that point. But as a previous corpsman, I 
I tried to comfort him. I gave him a couple of morphine syrettes and just let him die. That's, you know, that's all you can do for the guy. Yeah, war is nasty. There's no doubt about that. But another time, still- another time, I came around the corner. I found a Viet Cong taking a dump. You know, you shot him in the ass. No, 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 no. <laughs> I tied him up. I t- we only had a day to go. You know, this is this is really horrible. But you know, I mean, this is really racist too. Because, <laughs> you know, he, uh, I put a rope around his neck. You know, had him tied. And then I took him with us. I don't want to kill the guy. You know, I just felt sorry for the guy. Some poor, some poor asshole. His goddamn AK. Well, how's, no, that, how's that racist? If you, you, I mean, he was a prisoner of war. What's racist about that? Because uh, they called him Doc Skook. I don't know what the- Doc. I was the Doc. Okay. And he was my Gook. Ah. And Gook is a racist. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with yeah. that word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was Doc Skook. Okay. You know. And, okay. and so, so I, it was the people that were with you that were racist. Yeah. Okay. But we we're all I laughing about it. You know, they said, you know, for, come. And, and, and there was actually an argument. I mean, I think if you're, if you're, if you're or, killing a people, I think if you're killing a people, I, I think being accused of racism is probably the least of your worries. Yeah. yeah. If, if so you're, if you're yeah. at war and somebody's like, Oh, you're a racist. It's like, I'm a racist because I called you a word when, when last night I was in a gunfight and shot 12 of your people. Like it's, oh, wait, we're all, Listen, we're 18, 19, 20, 21. We're all racist back then. You know, we, <laughs> we, you know, everybody was racist with the, I was a spick, you know, the, every black guy was a nigger. I was a fucking spick. The Jewish oh, guys were fucking kikes, you know, and that what was among were, us. What were, you the, know? what were the Middle Eastern people? Sand niggers. You know, it, it's, it's, it's all the same, you know, but, but we all laughed about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I have, I have a friend here. Where he's, um, I told him, I'm like, man, you can come on the podcast, but YouTube might take down the episode because he's, he's Mexican and we're really good friends. We've been buddies for years, yeah. but when it's, when, when we get together, it's nothing but Mexican jokes. And sometimes it gets out of hand and then middle Eastern jokes and that gets out of hand too. He'll he'll call me all kinds of things. I'll call him all kinds of things. But but we're friends. No nobody nobody. You know. We, yeah yeah yeah. We didn't yeah. give it. We're no, just that's just the way we're we just, talked about it. Doing other. it doing it on YouTube. I don't know. I, yeah, I know. But <laughs> those are some of the racial epithets we used with each other. <laughs> yeah. You know. And all the Vietnamese were gooks. You know. And nobody ever thought any. And right. I'll tell you an interesting thing. Although they're derogatory terms, the people that we dealt with were treated with the kindness and deepest respect yeah you know the, the local villagers the same thing in africa you know we we just were very very kind to everybody and uh, that was kind of a thing among us yeah. our behavior was a lot different than our speech uh, i else? always i always feel bad in uh, in war especially when you watch war movies from back in the day where they would fight on horseback mm-hmm. i always feel bad for the horses those horses would get shot up with so many arrows and they'd run over fires and they'd get oh that's nothing man you live always, way out here in the sticks i always feel bad my, for the animals my, my fucking car's got arrows in the back of it. <laughs> you live so far away <laughs> you know my, my, i just got up there's arrows sticking out of the back of my car bro <laughs> you still carry a sword in your car with you yeah yeah <laughs> I actually, I was going to ask you to bring that to bring your uh, your sword down here, but I forgot. You said you have some some cool sword from back in the day. Oh, the swords that I have are real swords. They're all uh, Valerian steel. No, they they can, they can kill a, a dragon. 
No, they are. They're all uh, bringbacks from World War II. Uh-huh. The Japanese swords taken from Japanese uh, POWs or dead people and and brought back to the U.S. Yeah, I mean they're the real thing. Yeah, they're, they're like that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I I have maybe about a dozen of them. I started collecting them when I was a kid, and I've done the idol, which is you know draw and cut. Uh-huh. and I did kendo for years. So uh, I, I've been into swords ever since I was a kid. So let, let me let me let me just digress. We uh, we touched a little bit on abortion earlier, and then we we went away from that topic. So what what how do you, where what side are you on? How do you feel about it? Uh, get an abortion. The more abortions people get, the less fucking traffic on the roads. <laughs> my god <laughs> okay yeah uh, you know what i think we ought to have forced abortion you know <laughs> oh my god okay if you're a fucking drug-addled woman yeah you know who dropped out of high school or drop you know on the ninth grade and you got two kids fuck you you don't get to have another one Up you know to- people bitch about people bitch about us having to support illegal immigrants yes i'm bitching about having to support i bitch about that too your kids yeah were brought into this world without the proper means to feed them. Yes. You know what it takes to raise a kid? $250,000 to get them maybe about up to college. By the time they're 18. Yeah. yeah. So here that. you got a guy, you know, with, with, with a factory job and he's got three kids. He's got to get on Medicaid. He's got to get food stamps. Yeah. He's got to get subsidized rent. I think there should be limits to government assistance when it comes to children. I, I'm not saying don't help anybody at all. I understand that. Like, look, you, you know, you, you're going to have a kid and, and and you don't have the ability to maybe land a high paying job, whether whether it's because of uh, limitations in, in your background, your education, your conscientiousness, whatever it is. And so it's like, OK, yeah, you're going to get some government aid and I'm OK with that. But if you're going to have six kids and you expect the government to provide for all of those. And it's not the government. Obviously, it's the people because the government takes the people's money and then and then gives help. I think that that's a problem. I think there should be limits on that. But I don't know if abortion is the answer. I don't know if... if Who gives uh, a shit? I think maybe a better answer, a better solution is for men to start considering vasectomies uh, on a larger scale. And you could tell guys that vasectomies were reversible. Aren't they? I, I'm not sure. I've heard. I, th- I think they, they are, are, but with a with, but there's not a high rate of success in with limited success. So, yeah, yeah. If you could tell guys that they could do that, but then you know, what pussy would anybody else get? You know, what do well, you mean? Oh, you can't have kids. I'm going to have sex with you, <laughs> so I don't get pregnant. You know, other women would be jumping uh, on those guys. Uh. You know. And, I, I, and guys, I don't would, know about that. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's a joke. But, so up, but anyway, up until up until what point in the pregnancy do you do you think abortion should be okay? Who are we killing? The kid or the mother? <laughs> <laughs> the kid. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the kid or the mother? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, maybe three months. You know, once you have a viable fetus. Uh, but look, it's everybody's choice. You know, it's everybody's choice. Look, yes, the argument, the argument, however, choice, but the argument of choice. But women have the right to do whatever the fuck they want with their own body. They can get breast implants. They can have breast implants taken out. They can get big asses. They can have big asses taken out. 
Guess what? They can get a kid. They can have the kid taken out. It's all the same. It's just a fucking implant. It's good, you know. It's just a fucking implant that's going to last you so much. Is that a human life? Eh, maybe yes, maybe no. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> well, the argument is, how do we define life? That's that's always been my thing. Is I tell people, how do we define life? I I I've never been able to make up my mind on the topic of abortion because when it's old enough to rate the icebox. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. A baby's born, you have to take care of it. That's our, that's our human thing. True. You know, that's our human thing. That's our propagation of the species. That's, that's, that's a truth we live by. That's one of those things. You can kill a fetus, but you can't kill a kid after he's born. That's a truth we live by. Infanticide, infanticide historically, has been one of the biggest means of birth control. You know, leave the kid out there. Didn't you defend a lady one time who... Three of them who've killed their kids. Walked each one of them. Wow. Can you give some details? Uh, yeah. Uh, one was a woman who had been separated from her husband for a year, and she came to join him. A very pretty woman. Uh, really stupid. Uh, couldn't stop giggling anytime <laughs> anybody talked to her. And um, so she was with her husband for three months and then had a kid in the bathroom. They were living with another couple because they were poor immigrants. And so she, somebody found the dead baby in a garbage can. Oh, geez. They started asking questions, and, and the husband kept saying, I didn't know she was pregnant. I didn't know she was pregnant. Now, any of us who have been married and live with a pregnant woman. You know that she's pregnant. You know she's pregnant, <laughs> you know. And the point was that she said she didn't tell her husband she was pregnant because she was pregnant by somebody else back home before she decided to join her husband in the United States. She, her claim that she gave birth in the bathtub and dropped the baby uh, and the baby cracked his skull. Oh, God. Uh, she was nevertheless charged with, uh, I forget, some kind of one of the murders, you know, uh, manslaughter, murder, whatever. Uh, I don't even recall what the charge was. But, you know, I went to interview her, and the whole issue was uh, bail. You know, so I got her bail. And then... Uh, she went back to Ireland. Where'd she get the money to hire you and to pay the bail? I charged her, I charged them a shitload of money. I right. I, I, I really don't remember. You might be confusing a few of those stories because you said they didn't have much money. And if they hired you, I assume they had some money somewhere. Yep. And they paid bail. Yeah. 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 The bail wasn't that big. I would I argued postpartum depression. And I thought I had a good defense. I, I'm pretty sure I could have won the case. A trial, you know? I'm pretty sure I could have won the case at trial. Uh, I was going to do an accident, you know? Uh, it, it was an accidental death. The, uh, the coroner called it a homicide, but barely. I had an independent guy. Yeah, these people had plenty of money. I'm telling you. 
I think it was her mom who had money. I think it was her relatives back in Ireland. That, uh, and so did. she got out on bail and she fled the country? Yeah, she went and they never uh, oh, man. went looking for her as far as I know. Yeah, well, I don't think, I mean, who, what, they're going to put Interpol on that? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, she's never coming back. Let me um, let me put something to you from one of our Facebook conversations. Uh, we were talking about, I, I posted something about hate speech and, and, and something along those lines. And then you commented, there is also get your ass kicked speech, but you have to make sure nobody is looking or filming you. I actually think that egregious insults should be an affirmative defense to kicking someone's ass. See, fighting words, uh, see fighting words doctrine for clarification as to what constitutes protected and unprotected offensive speech. There is no hate speech criminal offense. However, racial and ethnic slurs during the commission of an attack upon a person are used to prove that the offense was racially motivated, thus the, ther- thus the term hate crime. I.e., if I hit you with a bat while telling you I don't like your haircut, it's not a hair crime. If I hit you with a bat while calling you an Arab, then it's a hate crime. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> If my motivation to injure you <laughs> is your racial or ethnic background, it becomes a hate crime. Yeah. So, you know, you can't talk about somebody's race or ethnicity while you're kicking their ass. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. You know? I, I, I mean, do. what you should be saying if you're being filmed is, how dare you say that about my dear beloved mother? Uh-huh. You know? It's, it's that simple. That would, that would make it a hate crime? No, you're, you're defending your mother's honor. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, which I'll is... tell you a great story. Okay. <laughs> okay. I had this kid, a black client, and he's been fired. Clean cut kid, heavy, stocky kid, looked like a tough kid, but he was an angel. Came from a nice home, hardworking kid, had maybe a year or so of college. He's working in some factory in Chicago. And he's got a racist boss who's always messing with him. And what, as he's getting fired one day, they're walking down a circular staircase and the boss is right behind him. And the boss is whispering to him. He goes, see, nigger, I told you I'd get you fired, nigger. Oh, See, nigger, I told you I'd get you fired, nigger. See, nigger, I told you I'd get you. I mean, repeating that mm. just maliciously. They get to the bottom of the stairs, and 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 the boss is a middle-aged white guy, you know, tall guy, you know, uh, looked like a bar fly type guy, you know. So the kid turns around and just cracks him right in the jaw, breaks his jaw. Nice, good for him. So, what defense do I have? I'm in Maywood, Illinois, trying this case. 12-person jury with one alternate. I do account five or six black jurors. So, I whispered to my client, we're going for self-defense. He goes, what? And you're going to say, we'll put you on the stand. And you're going to say that based on what he was telling you, you were 100% sure that when you got to the bottom of the stairs, he was going to injure you. 
So you turned around and preventively, preventively punched him. He goes, is that a valid defense? <laughs> I will. We're, we're going to find out. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> You're really rolling the dice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what choice do I have? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I could have this kid take a hit, and now we have another nice young black man with a felony conviction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is going to hurt all his chances of education, yep. employment, and success in life. Everything, yeah. You know? We're felonizing minorities. Left and right. Left and right. Yep. You know, I don't... I'm. I'm trying to save this kid, you know? So I said, we'll put you in the stand. You're going to say this, but you're also going to say this and this. That's how you felt, right? He goes, yeah, that's how I felt. I go, good. You can testify to it. So I put him on the stand, and that's his testimony. Not a lot of cross-examination. <clears throat> but the focus of the cross-examination, which was really stupid, by the state, becomes on how angry he got on the way down while he was being called a nigger, right? And how humiliated. And that that's actually what prompted him to hit his boss rather than the honest belief that the boss was about to attack him from mm -hmm. behind. So the state foolishly has my guy repeat his testimony about being called a nigger, you know, all as he's coming down that uh, and the jury's getting furious. And well, it's a double whammy for the defense. Right. You know, it's one of those cross-examinations. Uh, so you say uh, this happened. You go, yeah, that's what I say. And the jury's going, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's not very artful. And then you say that he, uh, you thought he was going, well, what happened? Uh, well, because he kept calling me nigger. I kept doing this. I kept doing that. You know, I, I, I try to, I had myself under control, but then I really thought that he shuffled his feet. Right, kid. So then we go, my opening statement. I get up and the first thing out of my mouth is, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for being here. Sometimes you just have to punch an asshole up. Objection, Mr. Del Valle. The judge looks at me. One more of those kind of language. I'm going to hold you in contempt. Yes, Your Honor. Then I went on. But I had made my point. Yeah. Right? The jury was out 45 minutes and came back with a not guilty. They almost carried that kid out in their shoulders. Yeah. You know, for punching his boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? And I've seen that. And what I was doing then was my defense was not that he had the right to punch somebody out for insulting him. My defense was something the jury could say, this is what we can hang our hat on to cut the guy loose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he shouldn't be convicted for what he did, even though it's not the law. Yeah, I, th I think it's ridiculous that somebody could get in your face and call you all kinds of things. And if you hit them, you're the one who, who is um, committing a crime. I mean, verbal verbal attacks are, are I think... Insightful. Ins definitely insightful. But I mean, people only look at the physical attacks because you can see the effects of it. You punch somebody, you give them a black eye or you break their jaw. You can see that. 
but a verbal attack you can't really see the effects of it you have to you have to then go and go in, into court and make all these arguments about you were angered and you felt threatened and all these other things but i think it's like if if somebody to your point egregious insults should be grounds for for defense somebody gets in your face and i mean like what 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 happened to having honor and defending one's honor i mean what's like what where did that go that's you're you're just supposed to sit there and let people say whatever they want about you and and not do anything about it i mean i think that's that's a ridiculous because we've come to the conclusion that you cannot attack somebody for words and so the law is i think that's a stupid conclusion and i think you agree with me don't you of course but that's the rules i live by yeah that's my truth that's your truth so So i can get in your face you know but i always tell people like that you know when that happens i go maybe we'll run into each other where there's not so many witnesses right you know yeah yeah would you you care to meet me somewhere and I I told I told a guy one time actually because he 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 just he always makes for the lack of a better term cunty comments on on Facebook and uh, I called him out one time one 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 time I'd had enough and I called him out and I put on Facebook I said he was making he was he was commenting in in a very um, very um, he he left a comment on one of my videos where I was hitting a punching bag kind of like. Oh, look at this idiot hitting the punching bag. He doesn't know what he's doing. That kind of comment. And so I put a I've post. Seen you, I've seen that video. I think I, the guy was right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were you had commented that, and then yeah, you both commented on that video. So you probably even saw the conversation. And so I called him out and I said, Look, if you're so good, let's go to the dojo. Because I know at the dojo you sign a waiver, we spar, we're good, right? Nothing, you know, yeah, what, yeah. what are you gonna do with that? Right. Let's go to the dojo. We'll film it. We'll go. We'll go live on Facebook, and we'll have a sparring session. And I'll shut your mouth on camera. And then he f- reported that that comment to Facebook, and they they Facebook took it down because it was uh, insightful of violence. And I was like, so this guy who's been running his mouth and being a little a little prick and 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 you know. P- bullying me <laughs> oh you poor baby <laughs> but bullying me borrow my handkerchief for like <laughs> for like six months i finally i finally decide to tell him to shut his mouth and i tell him okay let's go settle this on the mat right you, you know you're, you're you're so badass let's go settle this on the mat and then i'm the one who's inciting violence it's like the system is so backwards when it comes to that i once i was once in a position where somebody wanted to fight me over a woman who wasn't even my woman. <laughs> That's a strange story behind that. I mean, I had absolutely no romance. I had a perfectly professional relationship with a woman. This is years ago. And the guy said, I'll fight you for her. I go, no, I've got you. I got my woman. <laughs> <laughs> this one ain't it. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, well, I'll fight you for her. I said, all right. After about the third or fourth time, I said, um, he was up in Wisconsin. I was in Chicago. I said, all right, come on down, but bring a fi- bring five hundred dollars. So just to make this a little bit interesting for me, you know, I'd be happy to fight you, you know. Be happy to fight you. But let's just, uh, you know, let's put $500 (laughs) 
you know, winner take all. All right. You know, make it with my wallet. If you really want to fight me that bad, just make it with my wallet. Mm-hmm. I never heard from the guy again. I said, you know, put up a shut up. Yeah. You know, I was recently in a position where I had a gun on somebody, a home invader. And I told him to get on the ground. And uh, he started walking toward me. How recent? Uh, within the last year. And I told them, I said, maybe, maybe a year. Oh, is that, is that where, with that, those people that were partying at, at yeah. your, at your house? Right, right, yeah. right, right. Uh, and I walked in and the guy's shoving my wife. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. I think you talked about that last time, or maybe you told me, I, I don't know, yeah, but yeah. You've, you've told me the story before. Yeah. Go for, go for it. And, and, uh, and the guy starts walking to, I got a gun on this guy. I'm stepping on another guy. I got my foot on another guy's. The back of this guy's neck. Yeah. This guy's coming at me. And I'm going, am I going to shoot this 18-year-old knucklehead? And I here's what I said to him. I said, I want you to think about your mother's funeral. Said, Instead of get down, I tried a couple of hard, get down, motherfucker, get down. Said, oh, fuck you, man. What are you going to do? Show me. I go, I want you to think about your mother crying at your funeral. Yeah, I stopped. He got down. That's good. Yeah, that's that's um, what I was saying earlier. A lot of these yeah. young kids don't understand consequences of violence. They they just don't get. It. They don't understand that you might be just. You think that you're just picking a fight with somebody at a bar, and you think it's cool, and 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 you you saw a guy kick ass in a movie, and then he left with the chick, and so that's what you want to do. But you need to understand that you could get killed in that fight. You could get killed in any fight. I was one time after working out in a dojo with two of my buddies, black belts. We were meeting our wives at a bar and we're parked our cars and we were walking toward the bar where I made fun of a guy whose car had blown up and he just went berserk. He started running at me, charging me. This is almost like out of a movie. This guy was my first black, one of my first black belts that I gave a guy a black belt to. And this one, and this guy here was his first black belt. Dennis, such a Bob Newman. And I shit you not, this guy's running straight at us, just screaming. He had some kind of tool in his hand. And you know what these two guys did? They go, Sensei. <laughs> I, just like that. And it was a perfect karate fight. You know how things turn into a melee and, and you're throwing punch. perfect knife hand block. Reverse punch right to the solar plexus, <laughs> followed up by a front kick. The guy starts dropping shit. I hit him so hard, and I did such a good block that his ring flew out of his head. <laughs> that becomes relevant. And then as he's going down, I moved behind him. There were people across the street. I grabbed him up under here, stuck my thumb up, and I said, you ain't going down. And I grabbed him by the pecs, and I squeezed his peck and looked. Lifted him up, and the people, what's going on? I go, no, it's just buddies. We're having fun. And then I squeezed his back. I couldn't tell him. And the guy's all out of wind. He's hurt, you know. Now, what do I did with that guy? First of all, I sat him down and helped him find his ring. We actually, Dennis and Bob and I, helped the guy find his ring. We gave him his big old ring. It looked like a... Super Bowl ring or something like that. It was that kind of a ring. It wasn't that difficult to find. And we were on a sidewalk. I then took him in the bar. 
and bought him a beer mm -hmm. and heard this story from him. He goes, I got fired. My girlfriend helped me and my car just blew up. Oh, geez. He says, and then I jumped three black belts. <laughs> <laughs> it, swear just, to God, it just kept getting worse for him <laughs> you know i bought the guy a beer i go have a beer and and bob and dennis are looking at me and they go what what what's i said it's just real simple i drove him home i got him in my car sat him down i said don't start any shit Oh, no, no, no. Oh, thank you for the ride home, sir. <laughs> I drove him home. I knocked on his door. His father answered the door. I said, this is your son. He jumped me. I kicked the shit out of him. But he's okay. Don't let him back out. Keep him home. I'm at a bar with my wife and friends. If he walks in that door, I'm going to shoot him. Because I'm assuming he's coming back with a shotgun. That simple. Keep him home for his own safety. And you went back to the bar? Yeah. Why wouldn't you go to another bar? I, you know, I argued to go to another bar, uh, but I was outvoted. <laughs> you know, I was basically outvoted. All oh, the guys said, and he didn't come back. He didn't return. He had learned his lesson. But the point is, I wasn't going to kick the shit out of a guy and then have him see me go inside of a bar and know where I was without me knowing where he was. At this point, he knew where I knew where he lived. At this point, he knew I knew his father. Yeah. At this point, he knew that I could reach out for him if he pulled any kinky shit. And that was the point of that. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. That was the point of that. And that's how, where did I learn that strategy? I learned that strategy working in Vietnam. When we get a local guy, popular forces, to join our team and be part of our compound, and run patrols with us, we would have a, a little ceremony. We would get a soccer ball for his kid. we get a little sewing kit for his wife, a doll or two for his daughter, if he had any. And then we, and then we would take pictures of him and his family. Mm -hmm. And it was a welcome ceremony. Welcome to our unit. Welcome to our, you now have the run of our compound. You now have our trust. But guess what? If you breach that trust, here's a picture of your wife and kids, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the whole thing. We couched it in very nice terms, in very benign terms. And we like you so much, we're going to give your boys, each one of your boys a soccer ball. Each one of your girls a doll. Your wife's going to get a sewing kit. You know? You're racially, uh, you're sexually appropriating. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna, absolutely. You're going to get absolutely. the wife a sewing kit. What if, what if the wife wants a hammer? Or, 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 she gets a sewing kit. Or, or a pickaxe. I don't care what she wants. Well, we're getting this her photograph. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, What's, um, well, we were talking about abortion a minute ago. I wanted to bring this up and then we, we quickly switched topics. What's with, um, Jonathan Swift's modest proposal? Oh, he said, well, we should do it. <laughs> Have you ever read that? No, but I just seen you comment on it. A modest proposal. He wrote that all the bastard children of England should be, Used as food. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. This was in the 1700s? Yeah, Jonathan Swift was. And who a, was that guy? A, he was a, a wit, a social commentator, and a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he's also a biographer. 
Now, was he serious in, in his proposal? No, 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 okay. no, no. That's why it's called. And, and he was talking about Irish kids. He's, he's being sat 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 satirical. Yeah, it was satirical, a satirical piece. Satirical. It was a satirical piece about dealing with, you know, with the birth of so many children. You know, and, and partly in, in, in response to that. Is that that's a form of abortion, I would say. <laughs> if you're going to eat the. And you're feeding the poor. You're gonna, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess that's one way to 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 try to um, uh, keep reduce, down the to, population. To try to reduce the population. Yeah. Do you ever? Do you worry much about that? Do you think about that much about uh, the the number of people on Earth and what we're doing to the environment? The uh, what we're doing in the in the tropical forest and the animals that we're eradicating very rapidly. Uh, the reduction in wildlife. I'm going to be 74 next month. You don't have time to worry about that. <laughs> you know, I don't have that much time to give a shit. Okay, that's fair enough. You know, I did what I did. I lived how I lived. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's as, really as that's as really more my, of that's really more of a problem for my generation. Yeah, as long as if it's a problem at all, I can't make heads or tails of it. I I can't figure it out. That's it's, that old saying: "It's a republic if you can keep it. It's it's a viable world if you can keep it." Yeah. You know, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, but when you rip up all the when you rip up all the sea floors and you destroy all the coral reef and all the life that's that, that I agree that with it you. Gives that's, life that's, to, well, you know, it's pretty bad. That's the price of industrialism, and we have that industrialism because of overpopulation. Well, over industrialism because of over population. That's I think correct. if there were if there were let's say four or five billion people as opposed to seven and a half, you wouldn't have that much industrialism. You wouldn't need to catch that much shrimp. You wouldn't need to catch that much salmon. You wouldn't need to have billions of cows and chickens. What was, the, what was that Avengers movie? Uh, where, what's that Avengers? Who was the evil guy that made half the world population disappear? I don't know. Do you remember the Avengers? Genghis Khan? No, 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 no. Uh, what was his name? I've never seen the Avengers. Oh, you've never seen the Avengers? No. A Thor, a thug, or a, you know, org, or something like that. You know, and he finally gets the five rings, and he makes a. He makes half the world's population flake away. But, you know, all we have to do is just convince people to only have one child yeah. for two or three generations. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, maybe not even that long because somebody's going to die from a shark bite. Somebody's going to fall off a ladder. <sighs> somebody's, I mean, over 3,000 people a year die just on Texas roads, just driving around in Texas. And that's so that's not enough. It's, that's not enough. It's not enough when there's people having four, five, six, seven, eight kids. But if everybody was just having one or two, like I say, for every couple, have two. For just, just well, one. you're replacing yourself. Yeah, one, one for the one for the man, one for the woman, and 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 the the numbers will start to come down if every couple just had, let's say, one or two children. We now but, have birth control. What's the problem with? What's why are we having so many kids? You know, people just people control. just don't think, or that's just kind of the environment that they were brought into. Well, that's you right. have you have a kid when you're 16, when you're 18, you fall in love with another idiot, you have another kid, and then when you're 21, you fall in love with another idiot, and you have another kid, and the cycle just continues, and you don't really, you don't even have the thought of how am I going to raise these kids because you were raised on government aid and you just think like okay well i'll have this kid i'll get this much money from the government i'll have another kid I'll well get not that only money. that you're and you're not thinking about the prospects of this child's future and so this is one thing i notice and a big difference between how middle eastern men are raised and I, I don't like to say americans because america is so vast and it's so different culturally but 
I don't see as much of that uh, in America as I do in the Middle East. Every boy in the Middle East, from the time that you're a kid, from the time that you're seven years old, eight years old, mm-hmm. you're told by your parents that you need to um, start working. You need to think about your future. You need to have a house. You need to have a good job so you can buy a house, so you can buy a car, so that you can get married and support a family. That's just drilled into a little boy's head from the time that they're little kids, seven, eight, nine years old. What do they do? When, what do they do after school? If your dad's a carpenter, you go help him at the shop. If your dad uh, is a butcher, you go help him at the butchery. If you, whatever your dad is, whatever your dad does for a living, you go help him out after school. And you're kid, learning. You're learning work skills. Kid, 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 do you need to get that? Yeah, I'm on the phone, but I'm I'm still on the. Thank you. Every time, every time you come on the show, your wife calls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so there, there's there's this. There are no brothels in Texas. She shouldn't be worried about where you're at. Yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> this is close as I've been to one in 30 years. Okay. <laughs> um, and I think that that, that having that. Uh, like that sets up a certain structure where none of my friends back home have had kids except for the ones that, that got married. None of them. And I mean, I, you know, I have more friends back home than I do here. None of them have kids. They're all working. They're all saving up to buy a house or they already bought a house or they're helping support their parents, but they're all, they all went to college. They're all working. Nobody has a kid. Everybody, not everybody, a lot of the people, the kids that I went to high school with, by the time we were out of high school or college, they've had kids. They had one or two baby mamas or baby daddies here. They had one or two baby mamas or baby daddies. They had no no plan even of how they were going to provide for this kid and 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 try to give them a better future. Well, they don't even think about it. My my advice to all young kids that I speak to sometimes uh, as an attorney is avoid three things drugs jail and early parenthood that's great advice yeah because those three things either one of those things will block your future success having said that how do you define success you define success by the standard you just repeated to me for me it's financial yeah yeah financial you know, you grew up, you just told us in a society where you're taught to work, have a good job, have an education. Yeah, I was told together. I was told that and I was the man of the house when I was a little kid. I was told that my mother and my sisters are my responsibility while my dad's out at work. Oh, ditto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was I was brought up the same way. Yeah. You know. Uh but my parents were divorced, so I was the man of the house, I was told. Uh-huh. My mother, my grandmother, and every adult I ever ran into, yep. that I had to take care of my mother and sister. That they were my responsibility. Yep. You know, and I took it seriously up until I was about 13. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, but the, the point being is that you are replicating the environment you are comfortable in. You have gone to college. You have gotten a well-paying position. You have bought a home. You're doing other things that you like. You are ready now in your own mind to start a family, but not until this point. You know, and you're looking somebody for somebody with your values. But what if you're not brought up that way? 
What if that's exactly what and, I'm and, saying? And what if, what if, you know, what if my value, the environment I feel comfortable in, is sleeping with my mother, her boyfriend, and my three half siblings yep. in the same room? Yeah, that's all you know. That, that's all. Well, that's what I will aspire to. Right. That's what so I'm saying. part of the failure of our educational system is social education. We can teach you how to read. We can teach you how to add. We can teach you what your Columbus discovered America. We can teach you biology, but we don't teach you how to socialize and how to think of the world around you. We don't teach you how to have aspirations. You know, how often do I hear from kids, well, you're a lawyer? Oh my gosh, how did you do it? I go, hang out with me. I'll show you. I'll tell you. Sit down. Here's how you, here's how you become a lawyer. You graduate from high school or get a GD, you go to college, you take the LSAT, and then you apply to different law schools. Here's what's important. Your last two years of college, <clears throat> grade point average, hmm? and how well you do on the LSAT. When you take the LSAT, take the preparatory course so your score comes up. Mm -hmm. That's how you do it. And keep your nose clean. You know, even though I know guys who've passed who've been admitted to the bar with criminal backgrounds, typically those criminal activities occurred while they were young and inexperienced adult, uh, human beings. <clears throat> but nobody knows. You know, they just look... They don't know, have anybody to tell them. <clears throat> how to get it done. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? How do you think about college? I hate college. Uh, if, if your parent only went to the ninth grade and says that's for them, not for us, we're better than they are because we're people of the earth. You know, how, how does that happen? How who, do you, who, who's saying that? Oh, uh, you know, some poor, ignorant, resentful people, you know, may have that attitude. Or how do you say we're too humble for that? Mm -hmm. You know, how do, how, how, how do you convince a kid, his own self-image, that he is better than this, to, Sure, what he currently sure. is. Yeah. Yeah. Where's a kid? Where's a kid going to hear those words of encouragement? Where's a kid going to going to be shown examples of how to how to set up a proper structure for their lives that allows for them to have all the things to, to obtain all the things that they want in life, plus support a family in a way where, um, in, in in a responsible way. Let's just say well, that's socialization that you don't learn in school. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oftentimes, you're going to be a product of your neighborhood. You're going to you're going to turn out to, for the most part, match the environment that you grew up in. And there's always exceptions, and the exceptions are really cool, especially when they go back to their neighborhoods and they tell the people, "This is how I got out of here and achieved what I've achieved." You, I, I understand where you're coming from. I was in that situation, but I'm telling you that this doesn't have to be your life. What's that great Chris Rock has kind of a, a routine on that, where a guy comes back to his neighborhood. I don't know. And he says, I have a master's degree. And so you think you're better than me now? <laughs> Want to fight? <laughs> you know, go somewhere somewhere along that line. <laughs> you know? I that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of a but but it, there's that attitude, you know. Yeah. You think you're better than your father now just because you went to go. Oh, right, I've right, seen right. that. I've yeah. gone through that. Uh, not me, because my father was an attorney and my mother was a teacher, but I've seen that and I've 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 experienced it in the kids the lives start of to others. look down on their parents once the kids become more educated or more capable. 
Uh, that could that could happen. It could also be it, the, it, it could also be the other way around. Your parents can resent you. Very, very your father can resent you if if your father was a, a, a bricklayer and you became a surgeon, and now you're making more money in a year than he's made in his life. Or your father can be so proud of you. He could be so proud. It could go either way. And it could, could be or your. It depends or your mother, on it depends on who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could go either way. I remember when I graduated from college. You know, my mother said, "This is my son Kenny." As a degree in English literature, why don't you tell him my last name first? <laughs> Say again. This is my son Kenny. Okay, he has a degree in English literature. Uh huh. And you, yeah, said, my- and you said, why don't you tell him my last name first? <laughs> why don't you, why don't you tell? I don't you know, get it. Why don't you tell? I mean, she couldn't stop bragging. Okay, that I had a degree in English literature. Okay, she was proud of they, you. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was so cute. I always thought it was so cute. That you know, yeah. she would front me that way. Oh yeah, you yeah. know. Oh, this is my son. He has a degree. Yeah, this is my son. He went to college. Oh, that's you know, cool. At that's that cool. point, yeah. she had not yet gone to college. My mother never finished. My mother never started high school. I don't think any of my parents made it out of maybe the ninth or the tenth grade. My mother went to college at age fifty-two. Parents, aunts, uncles, all everybody. I don't Listen think. to this. I talked my mother into going back to school. That's cool. She went to school at age 52. Oh, God. Graduated and became an English teacher for That's the rest cool. of her life. That's cool. She's still, uh, well. No, she passed yeah, away okay, a couple yeah. of years back. <laughs> I, I, I did the yeah. math real quick. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she passed away. Yeah. You know, but but it, it, she was just, it, it, I encouraged my mom to go to college. Yeah. I want to ask you something that ties into to what we were just talking about with the whole population control the societal structures people who have kids and don't think about supporting their families and government aid and all these things it's going to tie into all of that it's um, something we also talked about on facebook you said that we were having a conversation about capitalism and socialism and you said that um socialism is the fire department coming to your rescue and capitalism is the insurance company denying your claim yeah and so Within that conversation, I had commented, what produces the money that funds the fire departments? And you said taxes generated by our GNP. What is GNP? Gross national product. GNP. And our GNP is directly related to our free market capitalist system, but you misunderstand the nature of capitalism. What is it about the nature of capitalism that I'm misunderstanding? You know, when people talk about communism, socialism, communism, is when the government controls the means of production and the means of distribution, central planning. For example, when Washington would tell Detroit how many cars you're going to manufacture this year, what model, and at what price you're going to sell them for, and where you're going to ship them to. That's a communist, that's a communist economic system. Oftentimes, it is accompanied by totalitarianism. In most cases, it is. Because people's natural tendency is to survive as individuals, you know, rather than by collectivism. And that economic system has continuously been shown to fail. How many communist countries do we have left? We have Cuba. Yeah, we were trying to figure that out before the show. I yeah, think we four. have Cuba, we have Venezuela, and they're both shitholes, yeah. you know, economically. Right. Uh, but, you know, in Cuba, a doctor only makes as much 
it's a it's a teacher. And 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 why would anybody even want to become a doctor if you're going to make the For same status? Thing as there's still else? status in the profession. I guess they, they say there's only one title. Maybe left. you can get a hotter girl, but yeah, there you go. Well, uh, that's an incentive, or a hotter or a hotter husband if you're a woman, right? You know, whatever. Uh, but the point I'm making is, when a government controls. The means of production and distribution is when a government is a communist country. That's what a communist country is. Got it. So just because somebody doesn't like your view of the Second Amendment, that doesn't make him a communist. That doesn't make him. That actually a makes socialist. you a free country because you're allowed to disagree in a free country. You Correct. can't. You can't disagree. Correct. If you're in Saudi Arabia and you speak out against Islam, they're going to cut your head off. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You know, and, and that's that's a totalitarian regime. Yeah. But they're one of the most capitalist countries in the world. Totally. You know, now when you get to socialism, socialism, well, let me point, let me tell you something else. Vietnam is also a declared communist country. But here's an interesting thing. One out of every three suits I've bought in the past 20 years was made in Vietnam. Yeah, And I'm buying high-end suits. Mm -hmm. I'm buying Ralph Lorenz and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and when I'm paying $1,000 for a suit and I look in the label and it's made in Vietnam, I go, ah, that's great for communism. <laughs> 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 but how does that work? Because American capitalist corporations are having the Vietnamese people, are putting the Vietnamese people to work. And the Vietnamese government says, you can come here. You can build a suit factory. But you have to pay our employees so much. China, is China a communist country? No. I think they tried it and it didn't work, specifically, specifically when it came to agriculture. Well, they, that, ran, they ran that experiment and it didn't work. Well, obviously. And so, and right. They, and they keep trying it, you know, with... And, you know, so what happened is they they basically they had people farm and they couldn't they couldn't keep any of what they were growing for themselves and for their families and then the farmers weren't being very productive and then they said they decided okay let's allow them to keep a little bit of what they're producing to themselves and their families and then people became more motivated to work and everything got a lot better agriculture wise. What China controls is the means of finance. They no longer control. Well, they, they do have some controls, like, you know, for oil and, and stuff like that. But what China doesn't control the means of production or the means of distribution. If I want to have my Nikes made, if I'm Nike and I want to have my Nikes manufactured in China, I get a, it's almost like a, what's that economic system that Adam, Smith railed against. Um, I don't know who Adam Smith is. Adam Smith was the father of capitalism who wrote a book called The Wealth of Nations. Who argued? I've heard free, of that book. Yeah, who argued for free markets. Okay. Uh, but it was, uh, basically, you get a government monopoly on a, a certain price. The government will allow you to work there, but, the, you know, you have to pay our people this much, like the maquilas in Mexico. We can build... Ford, Chevrolet, and whatever parts in Mexico, but they can't go into Mexico. They come back out, right? Now, if I wanted to do that in Mexico, 
I would have to go into the interior and open up another factory with the permission of the Mexican government who may or may not control the means of finance. So if I want to open up a Nike factory and I want to do it in the middle of China, how do I get my financing? How do I get just, my transportation? Just I don't mean to cut you off. Just try to stay in front of the oh. mic more. You, you, okay. can, you can just slide yeah. that way a little yeah. bit. <laughs> okay. How do I get... Oh, I'm feeling like Ted Cruz <laughs> with... Uh, Trump again. Anyway, uh, how do I get how do I get that finance? How do I get that means of transportation? I have to rely on the Chinese government to facilitate those things for me. If I'm in the United States, I don't have to right. rely on. So we are an openly capitalistic country where private industry or private people or corporations control the means of production and distribution, and private finance. I can go to a bank and get finance for my idea. Build a factory yes. and, and then hire a truck to ship it or hire a boat to take it overseas. That's, open, that's a very open system. There's all kinds of degrees of that. So what is it that I'm, I don't understand about capitalism in terms of, uh, in terms of a, a system that takes away from certain individuals and gives to others. That's not capitalism, nor is it communism. What you're is talking it, about is socialism. Okay. I text you. My, my, my argument was that what allows for those social elements to exist in our society is a capitalist structure that raises the money, raises the tax dollars that, that, that the government then takes and decides, okay, we're now going to turn this capitalist revenue into socialist assistance and pass it out to those right. in need. You know what? What is the fine line between absolute hunger and social unrest? How do you think, how safe would you be if we didn't have a police department? How safe would you be if we didn't have a fire department? How safe would you be from illness and how uncomfortable would you be if we didn't have a garbage department? Yep. Government is paying for those systems. Agreed. Up until about two, three years ago. My only question was, where's the government getting the money from, from to pay for those oh, systems? From taxes. Right, from capitalism. Oh, absolutely. And so, so in, a, in a socialist society, help me understand this. How would it be different in terms of um, uh, factories and, and businesses and uh, that that provide that tax dollar for the government to then be distributed be. to the people? It would would be. the governments go broke, or would the people go broke? I mean, what's the fine balance? How much how much can you tax a working population in order to in, provide in America a lot? Yeah, in order to provide sufficient means of livelihood for those who are unable or won't contribute. Yeah. You know, yeah. in order to, for the humane purpose. And some people of can't now, contribute. Yeah. yeah. And some now, people just can't. In, 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 in today's world, there's, there's, there's the, the reality that needs to be taken into consideration, even by the hardcore conservatives and the Republicans and the people who don't want to give away any money, which is that there's a percentage of the population who are simply incapable of, of actually being productive members of society in a financial sense. They simply are, don't have what it takes 
to actually function in an increase in an increasingly technological world. And the proof for that is, I know you like Jordan Peterson. I like Jordan Peterson too. And I've listened to him talk about this. And he talks about how the armed forces turn away anybody with an IQ of under 30, under 83. And then you ask the question, who, how many people have an IQ less than 83? And it's about 10% of the population. So 10% of the population don't have the IQ to even to make it into the military. And the military is turning these people away in spite of how badly they need new recruits. And so there's 10% of the population that maybe now they still have some things that they can do, but 10, 20, 30 years down the line, there might not be anything for them to do. Doesn't that make you believe in abortion? <laughs> but <laughs> it's not a matter of whether i believe in abortion or not it's a matter of i can't decide on that topic because it's far too complex is it is an 18 but, year old high school dropout but now, with an iq of 75 is he still eligible to be aborted <laughs> that should be the question we're asking feed him to those people in england <laughs> there you go um, <laughs> or, or can he make good or can he be good food yeah, probably not. He's probably on a, on a McDonald's and beer diet. Um, and, and the people, the people at the very bottom of, of the, of the economic, uh, classes need to be listened to because you, you, if you have huge inequity and if you have a, a lot of poverty drives crime, I mean, there's, that's just been the case forever. If you have a ton of poverty, you see more crime, any area, any parts of the country where there's the you know most what I poverty, call crime? there's the most crime, poor people's capitalism. Right. You, said, you said drug dealing is poor people's capitalism. And so is most crime. But so it, there needs to be, you know, it's, I think we need to pay attention to that. And so I think that, yeah, taking some taxes from people and redistribute it, let's call it redistribution of wealth. I would rather call it redistribution of income or revenue because redistribution of wealth, there's a problem. There's an inherent problem with that very title because you're talking about wealth. You're talking about people who have wealth. Not everybody has wealth, but a lot of people work. And everybody should pay, I think, in, in a fair society. If we're trying to set up a fair structure, we get rid of progressive tax brackets and everybody pays, pays the same thing. Okay. If you make a million dollars, let's say taxes is, is, is 10%, you pay $100,000. And if you make 10 bucks, you pay a dollar. But everybody pays the same percent because that's math. And then it's fair. It's the same for everybody. Uh, okay, let's determine that. I'm going to be 74 in a month. You know what I have that some of the richest people in the world don't have? I have enough. I have enough. I have enough. Yep. And that's where we want to get to. It's human beings. It's economic beings. But we live in a commercialistic society. I'm wearing an Omega watch. I have a couple of gold Rolexes. I choose not to. I have enough. I'm driving yes, but if a somebody, nice car. I, but wait a minute. I get it. Wait a minute. I don't even use those things anymore. I'm not interested in them. It's got nothing. All right? But now, if you were... And you were setting out to obtain more in a free economy. You should have the right to do so, and 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 you shouldn't be looked upon as. as I'm not talking about the upper tier. I'm talking about the lower tier. Hot, what is enough? I can turn, go in my house, 
And I have something that a king didn't have 250 years ago. Yes. Let me, you know but what let I got? Me, but let me, you know what I got? Hot water. I got a shower. Yeah. I let, got a flushing toilet. Perfect. I have a heater. But let me just, let me, I, I, I need to interject right there because this is also something, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> do you know how to put it on vibrate? Yeah, I do. <laughs> this is Go also ahead. something that we, we can, we can connect the phone and, and bring your wife on the show yeah. as well. Via, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, this is also something that Jordan Peterson talks about. It's probably the only thing that I disagree with Jordan Peterson on is he always, he always compares people's current living conditions to historical standards. And he says, Oh, by historical standards, even if you're making $10,000 a year or 20 or 30, whatever the number is, you're living far better than anybody ever in history. If you go back to like, let's say maybe 1910 and prior, and there's no argument there. The only problem with that, with that, uh, our, the, the problem with that argument is that we're not living in history. We're living today. And so today we need more than a shower and, and running water. Yeah. We also need a flushing toilet. We need access to medical, good medical care. Yes. We need good transportation. We need security. We need to be able to provide education. We need to do, we need to be able to call the fire department, the police department and the garbage department. We need to be secure in our homes. We need to flip that switch and have the lights come on. We need all those things. And of course, nobody had those things 200 years ago. You're, and you're still how talking do you about assure? utilities, which, no, which, which that's yes, what it's we all are very of. important. Correct. The right utilities, to an education, medicine, food. The right to an education, the ability to, an, to, to the opportunity to be educated so that we can become productive members of society. We need all those things, but that's all we get. That's all the government owes us. Yep, and that's and that's perfect, and that's more and, than enough. Correct. And what does that do? That equals the opportunity. There can be no equality of outcome. Government cannot mandate that everybody come out, you know, ready to run Amazon. I think that's or perfect. IBM. Yeah, equality yeah, of outcome equality. is a terrible thing. I'll tell you an interesting equality, thing. Well, that's, again, the argument is always, I, I've never heard anybody disagree on this, is that equality of opportunity is desirable, and that's what we should all be striving for. Equality of outcome is what, say, the feminists fight for, and it's a bullshit proposal, and it's and, well, it's, and it, it's a it, bad it, thing. Whoever fights for that, the whoever so, fights the, for the, that the, is the, living the, in another the, world. The socialists and the feminists, don't the socialists fight for equality of, of outcome? Don't they want to level all levels of wealth don't they want everybody to live the same because they want to no that's communism they, and central planning they want to strip the wealthy of all of their money they they want to tax people 90 percent who make more than a million dollars a year well yeah i you know and i want warren buffett to put me in his will you know but 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 it ain't going to happen that's not going to happen but okay but the wealthy already pay way more taxes than everybody else i mean the cutoff for federal uh, income tax i believe is 37 percent yeah. Okay. And then, and then on top of that, in states, well, you know, in you terms have state of tax, tax in also terms in other tax states for the very wealth. Why? A, why is somebody? Why is somebody who's working their ass off to obtain a high a high position that pays them really well going to pay thirty seven percent of their income uh, to support those who don't? I, I agree. I agree. You're not. Our, you're preaching to the choir here, because here's what I think: high taxation rates discourage. Innovation, yes. They discourage risk. 
They discourage a lot of things. Yes. So we're always walking a fine balance between how much tax do we need to get from a certain group in order to provide services for all of us that we all agree we should have. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about those. Yep. Without getting to the point where they're going to run to another country, effect on effect employment here. You know, why is it that they're at the maquilas? We have American things being made in Mexico. We have American products being made that we utilize here, being made in China. And why is my suit made in Vietnam? Cheap labor. Because my $1,000 suit would cost 3000 bucks if it was made, right, in New Jersey. Yep. That's the problem. So it's a continuous balancing act, you know. And if I'm a suit manufacturer and I have to pay somebody 30 bucks an hour in New Jersey or I have to pay somebody – Six bucks an hour in Vietnam, guess where I'm fucking going? You know, I'm going to Nam. Because now, talk about the price of oil, the price of transport. I can have that stuff, I can have that those suits made in Vietnam, put them on a crate, transport them across the ocean, and get them here to the American market and make more of a profit, even if I didn't have to transport them in the United States. So now we're talking about the price of oil. Mm-hmm. You know, and how do we keep the price of oil down so that transport of outside of the country goods is a viable economic option for people distributing those goods in the United States? These are things that a lot of people don't follow. You know, it's like pushing down one domino yeah. and it hits all the you know all the other sure. dominoes. Yeah, it's never it's never just one thing. There's it's, all, there's, it's all, there's always thing. there's always and it's a continuous effects. balancing act. You know, I don't believe the Republicans or the Democrats are either right wing or left wing. They're different set of managers. Mm. We don't live in a well, They need to be able to have proper discussions about what to do, because like you said, it is a balancing act. And um, so something that when, when it comes to being productive in society, financially speaking, uh, the conservative argument is typically that Anybody, there's a job for everybody if they work hard enough. And again, that's not true. And the liberals like to think that uh, anybody can be taught to do anything. And again, we know that that's not true. I don't, I don't agree with that. But I think there should be conversation. That's why you need political dialogue to actually, to, to be able to arrive at some common ground. Because again, you need, you need to have common ground. People need to be listened to because if things get bad enough at the very bottom, those people will just, will just, that's when you get revolutions because people will say, well, fuck it. What do we have to lose? Have you seen any of the videos of gangs of youth on bicycles, 20, 30 kids hit a major store and just looted the shit out of it in broad daylight? What recently? Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, like in New York, they, they, they pull over a car, they stomp on a car, they do this. There's an anthropological element here. Those are youthful raiding parties. I was reading something about the Renaissance and Renaissance Italy. This is in the year 1460 or something. A group of youths wearing a certain color of uniforms takes over a bridge and starts charging a toll for anybody, a public bridge. That's a gang charging people to cross a public bridge. Yeah. They had to call the soldiers and the militia out to disperse them. Next day they were back. And the next day they were back. Okay. That's in 1460 or something like that, that that happened. 
That's the exact same raiding party that hits the Black Lives Matters stores during those riots. They, they, during the Black Lives Matters riots, that's the same, anthropologically speaking, raiding party. I get on a bus, and I see one gang member sitting in front of me all tatted up. We're going to nod at each other and go, hey, you know, two guys? Maybe they're looking at me a little. Three guys, one of them's motherfucking me. Four guys, I got to pull my shit out. Mm-hmm. Because they become a raiding party. You take a fire team, a fire team, diamond shape, one, two, three, four. You move as four men. Mm-hmm. You see four kids, you know, that's the, a raiding group. That's how, that's how we lived in the wild before we went to the age of agriculture. That's how, that's how young men used to lead their tribes on hunting trips. That's how young Indian boys used to go on raiding parties to steal ponies. Yeah, I get it. No, I, I agree with that. I think, um, but the, the reason I brought this up is because I felt like we were having a lot of misunderstanding on Facebook about capitalism and socialism. And I think we're on the same page. Now, when we talk about it, it's like we're on the same page, but I still, I'm still not too clear about like, do you think there's a role for socialism in society? Aside from what we just discussed, like, do you think? Do you, oh no, no, no! no. Do, I mean, do you Listen, think? Do you think America be, should? There's got to be a limit to how much each one of us can contribute. And how do we know where to draw that line? Uh, you know, the church used to have a perfect thing: tithes. Yeah, ten percent. You know, I mean, and it's been talked about enormously. Ten percent goes to the government. You know, just a flat income tax. See, that'd be and great. That's, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that's that. That's as ancient as things get. Yeah, I wouldn't have you a know, problem when with we that. talk about taxes. You know, I would, you- I would have I would have less of a problem if my, my tax bracket went up a few percent, but everybody else was brought up to that same level. Ten percent. As opposed to 10, 20, 30, whatever, as long as everybody's on at that at that same contributing the same amount percentage wise, I'm okay with it. I think and, I, and think I have another problem. tip for I think, you. I think there's an attack. On I have another tip up for you how to save money productivity. <clears throat> how? Cash business. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's difficult when you're. It's difficult when you do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's of course a joke. Of course, no. But um, look, while prostitution, you know, if uh, if uh, if it gets legalized in Texas, I might open a brothel. That'll be a lot of cash. But then at some point you have to deposit that cash. What are you going to put it all in your house? No, you no. If it's cash. legal, it's, it's state income tax. It wouldn't be. Listen, prostitution is not a federal crime. Crossing interstate lines to promote prostitution is a federal crime. So, But it's still a state crime. In Texas, if you're, if you're getting paid for sex, you're going to jail. Correct. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you, I, I know you get technical because you're an attorney, but no, uh, no. What I'm saying is, you know, let's say you meet a nice girl. Where's this going? <laughs> yeah, you develop a nice relationship with her. Did and I, you help her out with the rent. Uh-huh. Are you paying for sex? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the relationship, but I see that dynamic a lot. Of course. Yeah. 
Of course it exists. Yeah, the sugar daddy, sugar baby thing. I mean, that that's that's prostitution. A, a lot of uh, how about the girls who say, "Oh, I, I won't sleep with a guy until he takes me to a nice dinner." I mean, well, what the hell is that? That's prostitution for steak. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, know? it's the same thing, you know. Or you know, I have to be, you know, when so you I'll talk up, when you I'll talk about sex, listen, did, when you did, talk about sex for money, what a lot of women don't realize is that it's a buyer's market. <laughs> <laughs> There are so many poor women out there. Oh yeah, you know, willing to sell themselves, you know, to a guy they like, or willing to continue in a relationship that they're not totally comfortable in for the financial benefits. Didn't you have a son who came home one time with a stripper? Or, two strippers. Or two strippers. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a great you, fucking story. You, do you want to get into it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. One of my sons, I'm not going to say his name. Okay. Had just gotten out of prison. Oh, geez. And he was on parole. So he came down, <laughs> and I was going to line him up with a job in the oil fields. My wife doesn't like this particular son because he once borrowed her car and stole her radio from it. <laughs> so... Uh, this particular son <laughs> is probably one of the most well-read people in the world. Uh -huh. But he's also a tier one thug. Okay. So I, my wife graciously admitted him into our house. And he had you know, his own bedroom, his own bathroom. His clothes were being washed for him. His meals were being cooked. She accepted him into the family. Now, at that time, my youngest son was about 18, still at home. So one Thursday night at about 2.30, 3 o'clock, my wife and I were in our bed sleeping. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the, light, the, the stereo downstairs went on full blast. And my wife and I walked out to the landing. And there's my son. With a hooker, not a, not a stripper, a hooker. I'm two hookers under each other. I said, son, what's going on? He said, I just met these broads, Papa. I brought one home for me and one for my kid brother. How thoughtful. <laughs> my wife looked at me and she said something like, He's got to go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I started laughing. Oh, that's hilarious. I thought it was one of the funniest things. That's pretty funny. I'd ever seen him pull out. And then uh, and then my wife said, he's gone. I go, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so I said, look, son, get these girls out of here and you stay here. Well, he took off with them. Came back a day or two, you know. And... Uh, that's so why I told him, I said, listen. You the Del Valle family is quite colorful. Yeah, I said, you can't stay here, son. <laughs> I said, you know, you, you really, it's not just my house. It's also my wife's yes, house. Yes, yes, of course. You know, and, and she's the lady of the house. Mm -hmm. And this failure of respect cannot be tolerated. Sure. So the only thing I could do, I love you dearly. You just can't you know, stay but, here. But you got to go stay somewhere else. Right, right. So I want to stay at one of those you know, weekly stage joints until his job up in Odessa in the oil fields came through. 
So you mentioned that he's very well read and you are very well read. And I wanted to ask you, is there a, who, who, what person from history would you like to sit down and have a conversation with? Jesus. <laughs> okay. Uh, Why? One person? Yeah. Oh, I want to talk to that guy. Okay. I want to talk to that guy. That's a good choice. Oh yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ would be my one person from history. What would you ask him? <sighs> I would, uh, I, I would inquire as to his philosophy, to his teachings, to how he thought about the world around him. You know, uh, let me, let me tell you an interesting thing. I'm an atheist. But I see the miracle of religion in people's lives so, uh, on a weekly basis. Just yesterday, I participated in a sentencing of a woman who has led a tumultuous life since age 13. She is now 43. Mm-hmm. She was looking at 20 years. I was able to get her 37 months. But during the time that she's been awaiting sentencing, she has turned to God. She's turned to Jesus Christ, and she's a believer, a true believer, because I've spoken to her. Uh And although I am an atheist, when people start telling me how they feel that they have found God, Jesus Christ, and have given their lives up to him and being recreated in his image— I have to respect that. I have to admire that. Sure. I have to cherish that as, as an elevation of the human spirit and the human soul. Sure. You know, and, and the human being. Uh, and I don't doubt that a lot of people often need something greater to themselves, to boot themselves into humanity. To humble themselves. Uh, yeah. You just say, you know, and, and she was talking about how she wants to work with people who have led similar lives. She's been a drug addict, you know, ever since the age of 13, you know, a prostitute, uh, raped, uh, beaten, you know, as a kid, uh, uh, and just, you know, drug dealing and this and that, and leading what I call the shithead lifestyle, you know. Uh, and all of a sudden, there's a chance for her to elevate herself, you know, and to him, she's got three, she's got seven kids. Four of them have been given up. Seven kids. You know, wait a minute. I think by five different guys, right? She still has three children who are at the age that they need their mother. You know, uh, she was remorseful that even during some of her pregnancies, she continued to use methamphetamine. And so, you know, and all of a sudden you see somebody genuinely, Heartfelt, brought out of that psychological, emotional slump yeah. that she's been in for 30 years by believing a force greater than hers. I have to admire that. You know, I have to cherish it as a human being, you know. Uh, and, and, and that's, I love to see things like that. It, 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 so I, I may not believe in God, but I believe in religion. Mm-hmm. you know yeah uh and so i would love to sit down with jesus christ and, and ask him questions right? i've read the bible you know i've read some of the catholic traditional philosophers i've read luther's writings uh, i understand baptist you know the baptist i understand the concept of uh, i understand the concepts and how they play into 
human growth and human um, evolution, you know, mental evolution. I like I like the concept of God. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool for a lot of people. I wish more people would do that. You know, uh, I can't do that. And believe me, I envy people of faith. I envy people of faith. You know, it's it's you know, so that you can say, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. That, that's a wonderful thing. I had that up until I was about 18, 19. War took it out of me. I look at it the other way. I look at it as being it's more freeing when you don't have that. When you don't have what? What you just talked about. The 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 when people people of faith who have that conversation with God about this is what I'm gonna do and uh, you know, th- whatever conversations they have with them and they're always acting all of their actions, they always in the back of their mind have, oh, like God is watching me and and I wonder if God's gonna be okay with me doing this or doing that or that's not what true believers that's not a judge that's not that's not somebody you know i mean what you have marriage after sex that's a sin says who you know that's that's see i would wish that if i ever sat down with jesus christ that he would be a humanist and someone who understood human foible human needs you know human human desires and and all that stuff that to me would be a good messiah somebody who could be tolerant of people's humanity. Because I'll tell you, you know, this thing, God's watching over you. Well, what's he watching over you for? You know, that you stole something when you were a kid from the five and dime? Right. I remember that thought. I remember feeling I had sinned, you know. I remember going to confession as a kid, and now I look back at that as like, that was the stupidest thing I've ever been a part of. That, that was great. I love confession. <laughs> going to confession. And I, would, and I would work myself. I'm, like, I'm yeah. like nine years old, and the priest is like, well, all right, tell me your sins. I'm like, oh, I talked back to my mom, and yeah, that kind of stuff. I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> that was great stuff. I, I love that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know, I had to go to confession. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. Um, the first time I got married, uh, my wife wanted to get married in the church. <clears throat> but by that time, I was a confirmed atheist. I'd already been to Vietnam six months, six months, and I got married civilly, did 13 months, 20 days in Vietnam, came back, home on leave, and now in order to please her family, who were observant Catholics, we had to get married in the church. So her mom didn't even, we already had a kid, and her mom didn't approve me sleeping with her because we hadn't, <laughs> you know. So I said, yeah, look, I don't have a problem with that. So you show up at her parents' house with a child and you have to sleep in separate rooms? No, it didn't happen, but her mom was looking at us cross-eyed every morning at breakfast, <laughs> okay. you know. So... <laughs> I said, yeah, that, she's holding you in, in contempt because, um, right, right. Could, no, it was important to faith. those folks, so I didn't yeah. have a problem with it. You were a reprehensible person, you, you had uh, caused their daughter to stray from the way. How dare you? That is correct. I've done that to a couple of people's daughters, <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> but anyway, here's, here's the deal. So I went to confession. <laughs> I had to go through the whole thing. And now I go to confession and I go, well, what am I going to confess? 
I have no, you know, I said, well, you know, I've, I've been in the military. I've, you know, I've killed a bunch of people. I've caused a bunch of deaths. You know, uh, I talked back to my mom. No, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't figure out what to tell this guy. I said, you know, I, I wasn't, I was talking about my sex life. And, come on, you know. I don't want the priest to get a heart on, you know, uh, so I started telling them fuck stories, you know, so, right. You know, talk about people I killed in war, you know, dead bodies I've seen, you know, uh, stealing equipment from this unit for our unit. What am I going to confess? Right. You know? Uh, so I said, look, I'm, I've been, a, I was in there for two minutes. What sense have you committed? You know, forgive me, Father. I had to go over it with my wife. She told me the, the lingo, you know. Uh, it's been six, you know, it's, it's been like four years since my last confession, blah, blah, blah. The last time I confessed, I was a devout Catholic. I was, when I got to the war, uh, before I went up to where my unit was at, before I got to the actual fighting, I must have gone, I must have gone to confession two or three times. I wanted to die with a clean soul. You know, by the time I was done 25 months later, I thought that I thought all that stuff was a joke. You know, I, I remember looking at, at, at now that's a conversation. If you just told all that to Jesus Christ, I'd want to be sitting in listening. Yeah. I want to, what do you think of this? I want to know what he says. Yeah. yeah I, what's I wanna, his response? What do you think of this? Well, I mean, you know, it's, why is sex outside of marriage a crime? And he would say, is it? Uh, who said that? I never said that. You know, Is that in the Bible? Well, uh, you know, you, you read the Bible. You know, nothing was written about Christ until uh, at least 100 years after he died. And if you read, you know, about how we deal with John Dillinger and Billy the Kid, you know, uh, it's the same thing. You know, we tell the story. We tell the story we want other people to believe. Uh well, to me, the confusing part about following the Bible is that it's just a collage of books that was all put together. It's an anthropological and, work. And you sit there looking at it and you go, okay, like which, which the, like, how did this whole thing come together and which parts of it am I supposed to take as what is the Muslim prohibit? Why is there a Muslim prohibition against pork? I don't know. You know why? Because pork need water because pork don't have sweat glands. Because port can't live in a Bedouin society. Because port cannot live in dry climates. They need water to cool themselves off. Interesting. Correct. But Sheep don't. But it's also the same for the Jews. They don't eat pork. They're, they're, they're an Arab society. Uh, they're the, they're the, Semites. The, the climates are drastically different. No, no, from, they're, they're Semitic. From the west of the Arabian Peninsula to the east. Correct, correct. But why don't you eat pork? Because why? Trichinosis. That's why people would die of trichinosis. You know why we have Victorian uh, England becomes a highly moralistic country? You know, why did we do that? Let me go back to Jonathan Swift. The number of legitimate births and children being abandoned. You know, they, they would orphanages were a full-time business. Mm. People would have... You know, go leave them at the door of an orphanage. Even my grandmother's nanny was an orphan. 
delivered to an orphanage mm-hmm. in, in Mexico. Blue, bluest eyes you've ever seen, whitest skin, blondest. By the time I knew her, it was all white. Her gra- Nana Mari. She was found in a silver bassinet at the foot of an orphanage. My great-grandparents bought her from the orphanage, raised them with her own daughters, and Nana Mari became my grandmother's aide-de-camp or whatever, an assistant, her playmate, her caretaker. She cared for my father. She cared for me. That's, there were so many illegitimate children. So you have Victorian England. All of a sudden, I get high morals. That cut down. You know what else it cut down? The raging, the raging syphilis that back in those days used to drive people crazy and insane mm-hmm. and cause death through extramarital, non-protected sex. How do you get a people to stop having so much sex and thereby stop the unwanted birth of children that eventually had to be given away, infanticide, right? And, and disease. How do you stop all that? You know, how do you stop a venereal disease that actually kills people? It's reason we all know Al Capone died from syphilis. It went to his brain. They didn't have fucking penicillin back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember on my way to Vietnam, <laughs> you know, I was aboard a boat one time. It was my third trip back. I was aboard the USS Bear. You know, some fuck, the chaplain gave a VD lecture. And he talked about the black sif. And we'll go, what's the black sif? Well, it's a syphilis so bad they can't cure it. So if you have it, they won't let you come back to the States. We're all looking at each other like, Who the fuck? this guy's fucking, what kind of bullshit is this? Yeah, but that's that's a religious man trying to protect us from syphilis. Yeah. You know, even when syphilis could have already been cured. But the whole point is that a lot of the traditions that you see in the Bible have a very... Have to do with STDs. No. It has to do with biological survival. You don't eat pork because you can die from trichinosis. You don't eat pork because it slows the Bedouin tribes down. What about... Alcohol and gambling, because those are the other two no-nos in Islam. Yeah, they well, have they have three. They've things, been the no-nos here too. They have three things they're not supposed to do: eat pork, drink alcohol, and gamble. Well, that's why they go to Vegas. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, there's always a lot of Arabs in Vegas. Yeah, Arabs and Chinese people. Yeah, yeah, that's why they go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, you know that's why Dubai exists. Well, you Dubai know? Dubai was trying to open up casinos a couple of years ago, and I think they caught some heat from Saudi Arabia, and so they they put the, they put a halt on that right. plan. But and the Ever- I, think, I think they'll have them eventually. And the Arab Emirates, you know, the Arab Emirates were at one time, you know, the Las Vegas of the Middle East. You know, everything you couldn't do in Saudi Arabia, you could do in in yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah, in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates, or Kuwait, or Bahrain. I mean, a lot of a lot of the people who live in uh, Saudi Arabia, if they're if they're within um, a reasonable distance from Bahrain, that's where they go to party on the weekend. Yeah, there's you know, it's like going to Juarez for a bunch of kids here, right? Seventeen years old, you know, you can get late and get drunk, yeah, for twenty bucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. where are you going to get that at a McDonald's here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. well, let me let's, let's see. Let me pull this quote to you. This is also from uh, something you posted on Facebook. I, I hope I'm not mistaken about that, but uh, it's, it says, 
In the first century in Israel, Christianity was a community of believers. Then Christianity moved to Greece and became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome and became an institution. Then it moved to Europe and became a culture. And then it moved to America and became a business. My question about that is, wasn't it a business all along? It wasn't a business until it came to America? It's always been a business. It's always been a business. Right. All religion is a business. Yeah. If you read Fukuyama's um, The Origin of Political Organization, you always see religious leaders were always also military leaders. And so, and at a certain point in our history, that began to split. Okay? But religion has always been profitable. There's no doubt about it. Every religion. I, I think as far back as, I mean, you know, look at the Aztecs. You know, they had nothing to do with Christianity, but their religion was profitable for the chiefs. Look at the pharaohs. Not only were they the war leaders, they were the religious leaders. Yeah. They were children of God. That's right. Yeah. So how do you get an uneducated population to venerate you? Well, you associate with God. There is a God. And you're the only one that can and communicate I'm, I'm with I'm the them. guy that talks to him on your behalf. And not only that, but you're going to tell them what their fate is going to hold after death, which is something that people are terrified of and always want an answer to because it's the unknown. Well, I think that was part of the Christian revolution. That was also part of uh, ancient Egypt where they had the Book of the Dead, where you would pay these scribes a certain fee, and and the bigger the fee, the, the better the um, uh, uh, fate – the, 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 so they would write in the book of the dead what's going to happen to you after you die, and people believed that whatever they wrote, that's what would happen to you. And so the more money they paid them, the better the stuff that they would write for them to happen after they die. I would be a scribe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you. A and good, the funny part, I'll is, give you a good review. And the funny part <laughs> is the, the most, the majority of Egyptians weren't educated and couldn't read it, so they could have been writing all kinds of stuff in there. Well, that's the whole point, you know. As we progress. And that's the it's, same thing with religion. You always have the superpower because you're in communication with the gods and everybody else is not. Let, let me stop you a second. That was the Christian revolution. That's why I think Jesus Christ and, and the religion that was founded in his as name. As the greatest salesman who ever lived? No, 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 not him. But what he did was he offered eternal salvation for free to anyone Ostensibly. Well, if you believed in him, you were, if you believed in him, you had eternal salvation. That's a good point. Before Jesus Christ, that was for the kings. That was for the nobles. That was for the well-to-do. The guy, you know, the guy pulling blocks to build the pyramid, he didn't get eternal salvation. He was not worthy of it. Right. The Christian revolution is that he, he offered eternal salvation to all those. All you had to do was believe in Christ. And you were saved. True. Now, that was, why do you think it became so popular? If you were a Viking, you had to die in combat. Are you going to die in combat if you're 82 years old and got arthritis, you know, in order to go to Valhalla? Right? Mm -hmm. You know. Is that, is that the only way that they would get salvation, Vikings? Well, that was according to Viking myths. They had to die in war? If you, if you die in combat, you wow. know. Well, that's um, the Valkyries would come down, pick you up on a winged horse, take you up to Valhalla, and you would spend all day fighting, all night having sex and drinking, 
and they and then you could die and be reborn again the next day with a wonderful body you had at age 28 29 sounds incredible islam took a page out of that book where if you die in war you're you're a jihadist and you go to straight to heaven yeah how do you get guys to do that how how do you how do i get a guy to risk his life for free you convince him that he's going to go to heaven and he's going to have unlimited sex at unlimited women at his disposal and um an eternal hard on and he could and how do i how do i enforce that (laughs) by prohibiting you from having women here Unless you jump through certain hoops. Yes. So yeah, that is good, the most desirable point. thing. Yeah, good point. Then how do I get laid? Well, I get killed with a sword in my hand, killing a Christian. Uh-huh. That's right. That's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Yeah. No women for you unless you go, you go uh, this uh, route. And then at the end of this path, once you once you get killed in war, you're going to have all the women that you want. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an easy sell. <laughs> yeah. It's an easy sell. Yeah, but the fact that people are still buying it is what's weird. Well, that's ignorance. Yeah, I mean, what do you? What else are you going to buy if that's your view of the world? You know, if you're indoctrinated into that. If view that's of the all world. you know, yeah, you can't blame them if that's all they know. No, they, you, you just they, have they, to kill. They, them. they don't have Google. Yeah. That's that's just. Huh? They don't have Google. They don't have the internet. That you is, have been so. overseas. You have been an Arabic country. Yeah, grew up there. You know what a goofy idea or concept foreigners have of americans have you ever experienced that oh, americans are like this americans are like that you know you americans think this way you know and and you and you get middle eastern and oriental people and everything's a fucking conspiracy everything is nothing is simple and direct everything is is got all kinds of roots and and weaving in and out Nothing can be direct. And, and, and I'll tell you what the difference is. Greek-Roman culture, you know, Greek culture taught us to think clearly. And Greek culture was alive and well up until the age of Islam how, in the Arabian Peninsula. How did Greek culture teach us to think clearly? Well, the Aristotelian method, method logic. Let's logic this out. Uh-huh. Let's think this through. Let's the, uh, believe they, they didn't always get it right. They believed in a million gods. Well, you know, what that comes from pantheism, which is basically, you know, there's a god of the rock, there's a god of the water, there's yep. a god of the tree, there's a god of this, there's a god of that. And again, and I can talk to the gods for you, and you have to bring me money. Yeah. You know? I'll talk to the god of rain, and then that'll there you they'll, go. they'll water your crops. That's that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because people didn't understand nature. Right. What what makes the lightning bolts? Well, that's Zeus. Throwing lightning bolts. Exactly. You know, what does the sun do this every and day? And that's why the more we learn, the less religious people become. I don't think so. Because I think there's human beings who still need to believe. I think it's part of the human. They use it for more for, for spirituality and finding some sort of sense of belonging uh, as opposed to as opposed to an explanation for for nature all right i agree but let's take catholicism just as an example you know a person who is who gets solace from catholic doctrine they're also pulled into other stuff like you know you, you can't be for birth control or if 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 you are a southern baptist you know, and you have found your way through to Christ and accepted. 
Well, guess what? Now you can't accept evolution, right? And so the problem with religion is that they exclude other logical parts of our lives that we have to deal with, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, and the ceremony of religion is also pretty cool. You know, I love the concept of a bar mitzvah, Judaism. You're 13 years old. You're a fucking man now. You know, act like one. Uh, the rite of passage for both men and women. You know, what rites of passage do we have? Well, you go away to college. You join the military. You know, uh, you, get, you get this, you get that. Uh, you get this degree, you get that accomplishment. That's a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. All these are human traits that we've developed through, through hundreds of thousands of years of social and cultural evolution that, that also is hardwired into our DNA. You know, and, and, and so we find different ways of accomplishing these tasks that oftentimes we don't even understand. Right. I mean, how did, what's an initiation into a gang when you're 13? The, the same psychological, emotional principle huh, is the same one the that happens in a bar mitzvah. Yes. You're a man now. You're part of a group. Right. You're part of our culture. You're part of the tribe. Right. You know, it's, and it, how does that happen? So we have to recognize the 13-year-old boys. What do you do? Well, you put them in the Boy Scouts. Yep. Not anymore because they've got too many <laughs> sexual predators. Yeah, but, but we still have the Catholic Church, even though they have more sexual predators. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's always a problem. It's more profitable. There's more money in the Catholic Church than there is in the Boy Scouts. Well, well and, then, and then girls, feminists want to put girls in the Boy Scouts too. And that kind of, that that's, then it's not the Boy Scouts anymore. It's the Girl Scouts. It's the boy and the Girl Scouts. The boy and the Girl Scouts. I mean, there's Boy Scouts and there's Girl Scouts. Can we just have, can we, you know, can everybody just well, be cool why with that? that? Why do we why have to that? intertwine them? No, no, I'll tell you, we shouldn't. Because at a certain age, boys can be boys and girls can be girls, but not around each other. Yes. You know, and, and that's part of the fun. You know, when I'm hanging out with a Boy Scout troop, you know, I'm hanging out with a bunch of guys. I'm establishing group identity and masculinity traits. You know, we're building a fire together. We're pitching a tent together. We're going hiking and, and doing this or that together. The same thing with women, you know. Now, whether certain activities should relate, it's up to the individual people. So you don't think that masculinity is toxic? You don't, what do you think about toxic masculinity? I love toxic masculinity. Why? Huh? Why? How do you define toxic masculinity? First of all, I don't know. Joking. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. You're either masculine or you're not. Well, and I don't think that. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm supposed to run in my house and save my wife. When there's a noise downstairs, my wife doesn't grab a gun and go look. When we are walking from our car in a parking lot toward a, a party hall and two guys cross, come across us wearing hoodies with their hands in their pockets, I'm the guy that looks at them and says, keep walking, assholes, which is exactly what I've done at certain times. Now, does that mean I get to hit my wife? No. You know, what is toxic masculinity? Being bossy? 
Well, it's a tit-for-tat world. I think the feminists would define it as somebody who is oppressing women. Well, fuck you if you feel oppressed. Get the fuck out. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, my wife is oppressing me. <laughs> you know, but she still brings me a fucking hot cup of coffee every morning. <laughs> and I'm upstairs in my, uh, do, do you right. get it? Right, right. You know, right, yeah. but when it's time to come to bed and she goes, I'm not going to bed without you. Right. <laughs> and I need to get up early. So you have to come. Now I'm being oppressed. <laughs> but guess what? She loves me. She takes care of my shit all day. Yeah. So I'm going to do that for her. Yeah, well, there's these women who think that masculinity is is these people, these men who are not allowing women to be all that they can be in society because we're the ones holding all the good jobs and taking all of the pay raises and not paying them what they deserve and not allowing them to flourish in uh, in, the, in the professional world the way that they would otherwise that they otherwise would if these men were removed from the from the equation. I think that's a bunch of horseshit. Well, that's and their, I think, that's their I think, fucking problem, think, isn't it? Yeah. Not my problem. Exactly. And I think that, the, that, that all that movement has done is it has led to a society of weak men. It has just grown. We've, we've, oh, we've oh, got all these. Oh, fuck. I love this. Man, we've the got other, all these weak men yeah, yeah. Who, who are unfit to be parents. They are, they are incapable of attracting or keeping a woman attracted. They are. No, no. They keep a lot of women. They are unable. Women like those guys. Uh, short term, some women short term. No, will, no, no, will, no. Will a like lot to, of women are very happy they, with that they, kind they, of guy. They, they like to shove shove those men around. But if you ask one of those women, "Is this a man that you see yourself building a future with and having babies with?" They will say no. I doubt that. A lot of women want just that kind of guy. Maybe. No, no. You, you and I can't tell. I mean, uh, I'll say no. But let them have I think that just guy. From, no, no, you well, know what? Let here's, me tell you here's, here's my, I, I, I haven't done any any extensive research on this, but the reason I, I feel this way is because anytime I talk to a woman who's an accomplished woman who's in her late 20s or early 30s and really wants to have a relationship and start a family, they are struggling to find a guy who has a shit together and they feel that they can depend on to raise a family. That's just all the conversations that I've had. I see it on social media all the time. Women are constantly complaining about, I can't find a man. It's nothing but overgrown boys. Well, that's a Peter Pan principle. Because, listen, I like those guys. I want to see more of them. <laughs> Why? It's easier to take their shit from them. Mm -hmm. That's what I figured you were going to say. <laughs> you yeah. know, I know some guy, you know, that lives down the block. And he says, oh, yeah, I don't believe in firearms. And uh, I shouldn't lock my door. <laughs> and then I go, good. I, I know where to go get shit. Yeah. <laughs> in case the shit ever hits the fan. Uh, yeah. And guess what? You know, I know I can put a gun. I can put a chokehold on that fucking guy. And his wife will do anything I ask her to. Mm -hmm. And he won't stand up for her. That's good to know. Yeah. And you want to know something? <laughs> Some guy wants to be a pussy. A lifelong pussy. He doesn't want to be an assertive male. God bless him. I couldn't give a shit. When the shit hits the fan, if I'm on fucking Walmart, and some asshole starts shooting, I'm not going to go save his ass. He's on his own. Now, if he makes it through life like that, well, God bless him. Well and good. Don't you think that having a lot of that, though, is a detriment to society? You don't think it could be a problem? I couldn't give a rat's ass. It's a detriment to him in certain situations. It may be even beneficial in certain situations. You know, H.G. Wells' The Time Machine is a great fucking story because he goes into the future where everybody's a pussy. 
And there's been a nuclear war, and certain people went underground, and those people became the bad guys. And certain people, and they're all pacifists. They're all, they're all, they're all the kind of male you're describing. But they're food for the people below. Mm-hmm. They're food for the people below. And this guy has to come back to his time, get a whole bunch of arms, and or go back and teach those people how to defend themselves. You know, and we're living in that time now. You know, I saw, there's a great fucking video. I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. But if it's a guy shooting a AR or a handgun at a firing range, and then he just freaks out, oh, my God. Oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I want that guy's address. I'm going to go pimp slap him and take his fucking wallet. <laughs> you know, I'm going to send my thug kid over to his house and say, go fuck his wife, steal his car, take his shit, and don't bother me again. You need a place to stay. That's the house that yeah, you that's go the to. House. <laughs> take your hookers and go over to that guy's house. That's exactly right. Another great story which just reminded me of that. You know, a lot of people texted me after your, your, the first time you were on the show. They said you remind them of Joey Diaz, the comedian. I sent you a video of Joey Diaz just because yeah. of the way you talk. You, you just you don't censor anything. Tough world. It's, it's a tough world. Why, is, why do we censor world. stuff? It is a tough world. And when, when you have a bunch of people growing up not understanding that it is a tough world, then you get people who go to start a revolution and they start crying on camera when they get maced. And it, which it, the story I just told you reminded me of a great I'm having a conversation with a major drug dealer in Chicago. This guy's moving 200 keys a month of Coke. Jesus. Little guy sitting next to me. And some other guys are talking about they're having difficulty collecting money. And he says, you don't have to be violent. He says, you know what I do? He says, I just go have one of my guys go live in their house with him. (laughs) (laughs) He says, he, says, he says he's sticking his nose in the ice box, you know, opening up the bathroom, taking a shit in the bathroom and not flushing, you know, pinching the daughter's ass. He says, it's a fucking amazing how fast people pay. I don't have to be violent. I don't have to kidnap somebody to collect a drug debt. I just pull one of my guys in their house. This guy's going to stay here. You know, and, and the whole point is, and you're talking about a rough crowd. But, well, well, in your line of work, you're dealing with rough people all the time. Eh, not really. It's you know, have you? You've never had a client threaten you? Oh yeah. yeah. How did that go down? Time. How did that go down? Well, the guy was sitting across from me, and it was a 23 year old murder case that I thought I could win real easy, uh, because the guy hadn't been arrested. There were no witnesses around. All of a sudden, the day of trial, they come up with a bunch of witnesses, and they remembered the guy, and you know. The guy by that point had been in custody. He had been busted in California and brought back to Chicago for trial. And it was a stupid crime. It's just a shootout at a bar. The bar wasn't there. The witnesses were all gone. I show up the day of fucking trial, and they got all the witnesses. They got about four or five witnesses. I talked to the witnesses, and they kind of remember they don't. But the prosecutor, I, I, I said, I need a continuance. No problem. You get a continuance. On the way out, the prosecutor says, well, your guy takes seven. By this time, my guy's been in custody three years. Wow. Right? 
extradited from California, waiting for trial in Chicago. You know, we're doing all the discovery, all the investigation. Been three years. So if you take seven years back then, it was a day for a day. He's looking at three and a half years. He's been in almost three years, a little short of three years. And you plead guilty, you get an extra 90, you get a gift of 90 days going in. So if this guy goes in, he's got three, four months to do. He's an American citizen. He's not going to get deported. Right? So I go talk to my guy, and he takes the deal. So I go talk to his brother, and I remember I charged this guy about 50 Gs or something like that. This back in the 80s. Good money. So he says, you promised me you'd walk my brother. I said, ah, I didn't promise. So he looks at me, and he goes, you know what, motherfucker? I'm coming back with a gun. I go, really? He says, yeah. And he starts to get up. I reach in my drawer. I pull out a gun. I go, how the fuck are you going to make it out the door, asshole? He, he's, I said, I'm going to shoot you. If you're coming back with a gun, I don't have to. You, you ain't going. <laughs> yeah. And I reach in this drawer while I'm holding this. I, I remember I have my brownie. I'm holding my brownie here. I reach in here and I pull what's, you know what a drop gun is? Uh, I think I can guess. What's a drop you, gun? You, uh, it's to scapegoat somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, 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 it's a gun that nobody can trace the owner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I got as a gift from a cop. And he took off <laughs> How cool. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I got the job, and I'm going to put this gun in your hand, and I'm going to tell the police you pointed it at me. Now turn around so I can shoot you square. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I didn't mean it. I really didn't mean it. I go, well, you're talking shit, asshole. <laughs> you know, how, how do I know you didn't mean it? That's hilarious that he's threatening an attorney, and then you told him, you're going to shoot him and implicate him at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, i got a perfect self-defense case. Here. That's so great. I said, you got a fucking record. Who do you think they're going to believe? You yeah. came in here and pulled the gun on a lawyer. Yeah. And I yeah. shot you in self-defense. Yeah. And he has he has a motive because he's yeah, angry yeah. about his brother's case. Well, for whatever reason. Yeah. You know. So, anyway, that's, that's why he apologized to me. <laughs> you know. And, and the... You know, it, it I was, blame toxic masculinity. What? I blame toxic masculinity. It ain't toxic. I, I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, well, go ahead and that's what it. I blame. Listen, <laughs> there's soft guys, there's medium guys, and there's tough guys. Well, you're either prey or predator, right? Just like no, a, just no, like no. A, I listen. I've been prey plenty of times, and I can eat prey. I can eat being prey. You know, I uh, sometimes it's your turn in the barrel. And you got to realize when your turn in the barrel is. I'm not going to win everyone. I'm not going to win every fight. I'm not going to win. You know, a guy stole $30,000 from me. You know, chipped me out of $30,000. Oh, well, what do I do? I go, okay. Send your son over to his house. No, 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 no. I say, yeah, well, you know, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth risking my, my license? Is it worth risking, you know, this or that? You know? It was, it was a lawyer I was sharing a fee with. Stole 30 Gs from me. Wow. Right? I, I had to eat it. Yeah, sometimes you just I'm, No, no, I'm pissed off. I'm still yeah. pissed off. This was 25 years ago. I'm still fucking pissed off. Yeah. Right? The guy fucked me. Now, <laughs> after I was here, there was a bondsman that 
tried to fuck me out of 400,000. I went to him and I said, you can't do that. I said, look, you can get me. Sometimes I know it's my turn in the barrel. I can take a hit. You know, but you know, I was shaving yesterday and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm thinking, what kind of asshole are you? You're going to let somebody take 400 G's from you. I took one of the steel plates I shoot at a thousand yards, all peppered with bullet, you know, bullet marks. I put it on this desk. I said, I can do this at a thousand yards. Don't make me kill you. Because you, you can't fuck, you can fuck me out of 30, 40. Well, a, a guy I invested some money with fucked me out of 50. You know, he's still walking around. You know, the guy's got the guy's got a wife. He's got a couple of kids. I know I'll never get my money back. You know, uh, uh, you know, unless I time to a pole and beat him for three hours. Right. You know, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go that far. But I told the guy that owed me four. I go, this ain't going to happen, bro. I gotta fucking kill you, because I can't look in the fucking mirror, and and every time I shave, I'm thinking, you fucking asshole, you let somebody fuck you out of four hundred G's. What kind of dipshit are you? I said, I'll never live that down in the fucking mirror. Yeah. Not because, fuck the money. It's who the, you're going to let some fucking jamoke take your money like that? Fuck him. You got to die. <laughs> yeah. You know what he said to me? So will you take a truck? <laughs> he said, can I give you a truck? I'll give you a truck for 100 Gs every month. I go, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> I said, they better not fucking bounce. Here's what he tells me. He goes, go to the bank. He gives me, ask for such and such a person. They're going to tell you there's no money in the account, but ask for this guy and he'll pay you. I said, okay. Sure enough, I got my four Gs, my 400 Gs. Yeah. You know, so you're not going to win them all. Yeah. But you got to know where the battle lines are. Mm hmm. You know, and I've often thought to myself, would I have killed this guy? Yeah. Easy. Fucking easy. I couldn't have slept without killing him. That's simple. Could you have gotten in trouble when you walked into his office with the steel plate and told him that you could do that at a thousand yards? Could that have been He had a bodyguard standing there? If he would have called the police, would you have been arrested as as threatening his life? He wasn't gonna something call the like police. that. But if you if you did, could that get you in trouble? Yeah, probably, probably. Well, it would have been his word against mine. His bodyguard was there. And you know what I told him? I said, and your boy there? I said, look, this is how it's going to work. You're going to feel something hit your chest. You're going to look down. You're going to see blood. Then you'll hear the noise. I got a, I got a 168-grain bullet traveling at 2,650 feet per second. Sound only travels at 180 feet per second. So I got a bullet traveling faster than sun. It'll hit you. You'll drop. You'll hear a big boom. And you'll know it's me because you didn't pay me. <laughs> yeah. And I said, and your boy there? I go, don't, 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 don't. I looked at the guy. I go, do yourself a favor. Don't. Just stay out of this. Yeah, just stay out of this. I said, you know. Well, you probably got that bodyguard fired. Huh? <laughs> you probably got that bodyguard fired. No, I didn't. Fired. I, I, no, no. And it was all done in a very gentlemanly way. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, that sounds very gentlemanly. It was. <laughs> it was. But he just had to know the fucking limits. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No, no, it was. Now, would I have risked 
being sent up for murder for that? Yeah. Really? Oh, absolutely. I know, I know how far it can go. I know when I actually have to commit an act that's not legit. Yeah. And thank God I haven't had to do that in the last 25 years. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. Well, it's uh we're at three hours, Ken. Oh shit. Holy cow. So uh <laughs> I gotta get out of here. You know, I'm yeah, you gotta, you so, gotta go, you gotta go. I'm talking so tough, but my old lady's gonna kick my ass. <laughs> Mr. Fucking tough guy. See, right? well, you gotta you gotta know your battle lines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick before you leave, uh, what kind of dog is that that bit you? Um You've got, I mean, it's pretty bad. I mean, your arm looks looks chewed up. Yeah, it is. It it was uh it was a dog outside my house. He was uh barking at my dog, and I walked up to the dog and he had a collar on. I tried to grab his collar. I tried, come here, boy. And he he, you know, I got down, I you know, come here, boy. I wanted to see where he belonged. And if it was from anybody in the neighborhood. He had a couple of tags on, and I went to reach, and it just grabbed me all over. Oh wow! Then I reached over with this hand, he tore this hand up. Did you? Did you punch him? How'd you get away? Nothing, man. I just, I fucking fell on my ass. I was squatting down. <laughs> I backed up. Oh, I fell on my ass. But, you know, I started reaching for my gun, and and the dog was already, you know, scampering away. I, you know, it's it's talk about a clusterfuck <laughs> i got my ass kicked by a fucking dog uh, you know yeah well <clears throat> thanks again for being here always a pleasure talking to you and always uh fun. you're 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 all you're always welcome here anytime and uh I, i'd say fun. i'd say probably about every two to three months i'll have enough material off of your facebook posts to do another <laughs> podcast so <laughs> um um yeah that's it it's uh let, let's let's get out of here right, and um Oh, it's great. It's Saturday. Let's, uh, I don't yeah, know. Let's, yeah. let's, let's go party or whatever it is you're going to do. So I have to take my wife out to dinner. That sounds like a good plan. That sounds like a good yeah. plan. So great right. talking to you. You too. Anybody watching? <laughs> this guy's great. Oh, Love his podcast. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Um, see you later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Three hours goes by quickly. Huh?